Yo, what up? This is Necro, and you're checking out Beyond the Void Horror Podcast, you fucking piece of shit. Listen to it. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of hell, you will realize that there is something ahead. Something that lurks behind the dark veil. A veil that is beyond our own comprehension. Beyond the void. What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. That's right. We got a brand new fucking episode. It's episode 122, and uh, we've got an interview today with Necro, the death rap artist, who has graced us with his fucking time to talk about his new album, the industry, and music, and uh, how he does things and who does them with him. So it's going to be a really fucking great interview. You guys are going to enjoy it. If you're not sure who death rap artist Necro is, then you're probably going to have to look it up and listen to it after this for sure. So definitely check out his new shit. But uh, also, we figured since Necro is the notorious Gorius, we would pick a movie to review this week on top of it after the interview. So we picked Olaf Ittenbach's the Burning Moon, which is a gore-tastic fucking movie that was banned in multitude of fucking countries uh, for many different reasons. Uh, we have a lot of thoughts on that movie. <laughs> it's uh, He's one of the, you know, exploitation films right. uh, that were pushing the boundaries in Germany because, you know, we'll get into a little bit more about why that is uh, when we get to that. But you guys are definitely going to want to stick around for that. Patrick's back with us, as hey you can you. hear him. Uh, he came back. Brittany's doing okay, by the way, guys. So she's she's uh, in good spirits. She's dealing with uh, her surgery. And it's going to take a few weeks for her to uh, get back on her feet. So we wish her the fuck well. <laughs> and I we hope her robotic legs are going to fucking help her fucking run miracles. <laughs> 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 fucking some shit. But yeah, we love you, Brittany. So we'll see you next time. And then, of course, after this next week, Brittany may not be here with us because she's still, you know, recovering. Yeah. So I may have somebody else on to do our top 2018. Um, I don't know when she's going to be back in action, so I don't want to push too much. But that's fine. She can give us her tops when she comes back and talk about it on the next episode when she is. So plus, we also got our writers that are going to be doing their top. Some of them are top five, eight, ten. So Mark, or excuse me, I should say Matt Rogerson. We got Dr. Love Gore, and we got fucking Kyle Laugh, who are going to be dropping their hot bombs for the year of 2018. So did you have any movies that you uh, enjoyed uh, for 2018? I can't say mine, but... Right. Um, 2018, huh? I haven't seen Halloween yet, and I really want to sit down and watch it. All this controversy going around, it's just... Uh. 
I don't know it, how to feel. If if it's your top, you're dead to me. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, guys. I know some of you out there like it, and God bless your fucking weird hearts. Uh, so I'm just kidding. Anyway. Um, but yeah, off the top of my head, I can I can actually name you right now, so no. But I am watching Night Flyers, which I am very intrigued by. Yeah, it's there's a lot of good stuff out this past year, man. Oh yeah, dude. So that's it's gonna good. be. But anyway, fuck that shit. I think it might be that time, Pat. No, no. <laughs> Horror shots. All right, guys, so before we jump into the Necro interview, we got a horse shot that we're going to be dedicating to the movie that we did this this week, which is The Burning Moon. And uh, if you haven't seen that bit of uh, wonderfulness, it's uh, you can actually pick it up from Severin. Uh, it's an Intervision movie. Um, it is a 1992 film <laughs> shot on video, kind of like, you know, guerrilla style making movie. And uh, it's about... A burning moon, sort of. Not really. Uh, we'll explain more of that later. Right. But we figured, what better way uh, than to make a shot than to honor the director, who is Olaf Ittenbach, by making a shot that embraces his technique, which I call the Olaf machine, <laughs> uh, which is to just fist a fucking bunch of gore in your fucking in your pussies and. <laughs> You shovel it in there. I'm sorry. That's what it's like, dude. Like we're like a coal burning train over here. Like Just shovel that shit, shit is in fucking there. pretty wild, man. So, um, yeah, this shot is based off the Olaf machine. So you're going to be mixing one part Jägermeister German Jagle. liquor, one part Fireball because the burning moon, right? And then one part Midnight Moon, which comes in the mason jar as the burning moon. And it's because it's got German, but you get it, okay? It's not fucking hard, all right? It's not fucking rocket science here, you fucking dildos. Uh, but then after you fucking take this shot, or before you take this shot, you say, Zumond, which means to the moon. Zumond. Via Google Translate. And I'll play that for you right now, just so you know. Zumond. We're high tech around here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> So, I actually wanted to start the show in saying Beyond the Void in German, which I still probably cannot just, say correctly. Just get Google Translate to fucking do it. <laughs> it's so perfect now. Insights like, that are something. Aren't they developing that fucking technology where people like get fucking make up points and shit? Like, I'm <laughs> right. serious. No, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. you talk about the Google Assistant. Yeah, yeah. and you're like, yeah. holy shit, that sounds like a real fucking person, which is kind of creepy. Well, only that, it learns like, you know, what you like and what you might want to go do and shit. Like, it's like, I don't want you to know what i like i don't want you to know what i want to go do this is like Dude, we're alone. gonna be all like those dudes like floating around those floating chairs in fucking wally you know what i'm talking about yeah. fucking like raw robots do everything for us in this like sort of utopian fat society i right. guess anyway if you would like to try the olaf machine all you have to do is go to long live the void and check out our hashtag horror shot section right fucking now but that's it for horror shots all right, guys, so now you are going to be listening to the interview with the notorious, gorious king of death rap, Necro, talk about his work right now. What's up, guys? Today we have none other than Death Rap Artist, who just released his album, The Notorious Gorious, 
and he also is a record label owner of Psychological Records. Welcome to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast, Necro. What up? How's it going? Good, man. I appreciate you coming on. Got a brand new album, man. I know you've been in music for a fucking long, long ass time, and I didn't realize how young you were, uh, and not just hip hop, right? Been doing it for a while, you know? But um, we don't want people to think that I'm too old because uh, (laughs) these fucking fans these days are retarded, and and, and people think that uh, when somebody's been around for a little bit, they're not good anymore. (laughs) Well, you even did. Sadly. I, I don't agree with it at all. I mean, yeah, obviously, but you know what I mean? These new fans are fucking morons. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, you got to fucking fool them. You got to let them believe Notorious Gories is, it's brand new. It's my first album. Yeah, it kind of feels like it's my got debut. some old, old flavor uh, thrown in there with a mix of a bunch of different stuff that you've done. So it's got like a, like a whole mix of all kinds of stuff in there. Yeah, that's just because I like to make shit flavor. So, you know, I mean, when you're working on music, you want it to be interesting. You know what I mean? So you basically, uh, you know, you, you, you got to go over what you're doing over and over and make sure it's fresh enough. So, you know, I, I draw from many different influences on it to make the shit, you know, something that you're going to listen to more than one time. And uh, it's just kind of natural. It's not really something I'm doing like, oh, let me think of reinventing myself. But I guess I am reinventing myself because that's pretty much what they consider you're doing. You know, any artist every 10 years when you do something, the word is, oh, he's reinventing himself. So (laughs) fuck it. I am. You know what I mean? To me, I'm, I'm still doing the same shit I did when I, you know, anytime I made a record. But, um, you know, everybody's got their own fucking view. So, you know, I mean, I got my view. I, I only see through my eyeballs, which is I've been having to deal with me every day since. So I don't see it the way other people see it. To me, yeah. it's just normal. I sit down. I got I want to make some dope shit and I want to release it, you know. But, um, yeah, you know, everybody's got a million different fucking views of it. You know, they, they'll think you're one thing, you know, and then, you know, uh, it's all death uh, or it's all this, or you haven't done something in a while, or you keep doing the same thing. It's I just don't give a fuck as long as you're streaming it. You know what I mean? You right. can fucking call it fucking Calypso if you want. Just fucking <laughs> play the shit, like it, and tell a fucking friend. And let me get my fucking streaming check. And you know what? You have a lot of inspiration, too. You've done, like, death metal. You've done, like, all kinds of fucking horror stuff. Like, I think you did one of the, the, the Beyonds uh, music from one of Lucio Fulci's music. Yeah, I mean, I've sampled shit from horror movies, you know, it's because, uh, you know, there's uh, great music there, you know, so it's it's a natural thing, you know, but, um, you know, it's not specifically any specific focus on something like that or not, you know what I mean? It's kind of more organic, you know, you just, you know, you, you could find something evil on fucking a female singer's you know, 1976 album, you know what I mean? And it's like, shit is so random, you know? So it's kind of like, but yeah, I definitely did sample that. I don't really like to reveal samples, but I know you're on a horror podcast, so, (laughs) you know, no, no, because these fucking people these days, they want to tell everybody. And the reality is, this ain't coming at you, but but the reality is hip-hop is built on digging. But I get it because you're a horror podcast. So from the from the horror podcast, why am I saying podcast? Podcast. <laughs> horror podcast. But um, yeah, basically, yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? I'm very horror influenced. I mean, you know, in general. But, you know, I never called myself horror core hip hop. I saw that online. 
Yeah, because hardcore hip hop was never respected. It's it's very weird that in in hip hop you could rap from the black hood street perspective of shooting people in the head with a gun and running out, running away from the cops and getting away with murder, and then you know uh, getting a whole bunch of people hooked on crack in your crack house and killing your enemies on the other block and doing all this other kind of satanic shit that's not considered satanic. It's considered hood. Right. It's not evil, right? It's not an evil thing you're doing. It's a hood thing. Being hood is not evil. That's just, you're fucking just doing the circumstance that you were put in. But uh, the reality is it's all evil shit. So, you know, in, in uh, hip hop, when you're doing all that, it's cool. But right. when anybody in hip hop, you know, drew influence from fucking horror it was considered corny or something or satanic oh he's rapping horror movie shit you know and then it, it was like it was very short-lived and then it became very underground and the dudes that were doing it on the underground were atrocious dudes that did not know how to make hip-hop beats like the people i respect with real dope drums cut up and hooked up fresh and you know and like especially if if, if person's coming from a metal background then you respect musicianship and, and instruments so when you make real dope hip-hop beats you're sampling real drummers a lot of these horrorcore guys were going right to the keyboards with horrible keyboard drums that sounded fucking whack as fuck and then trying to play shit that wasn't sampled. And these guys are not musicians. So they're playing stupid fucking horrible melodies, you know, from that just sound whack. And, and that's what the horrorcore genre pretty much became. And so I like dark, evil shit. I'm influenced by death metal, horror movies, but, but I like musicianship. So for me, I was approaching it way different. So I didn't like, I never even want to be called horrorcore, you know, right. or ever be associated with that. Cause I was like, that shit is fucking whack. Um, call me fucking just hardcore hip hop. Call me fucking, you know, underground hip hop. And then kind of just developed into death rap. Right. Because it's like, like death metal. But, you know, as far as it's dark, you know what I mean? It, it's uh, the subject matter is dark. The subject matter doesn't have to be corny because you're rapping about leprosy or if you're rapping about cannibalism. Uh, it's corny if you're corny. It just so happens horrorcore rappers, a lot of them don't have the lyrical wordplay. So it's kind of like, you know, like you listen to James Hetfield and Metallica and he's a master wordsmith in writing lyrics for thrash. If he sucked, those songs would be horrible. They would have whack lyrics. That's horrorcore. So, you know, I'm very horror influenced. I just have one. I, I have to actually make that clear because if somebody who's into horror is listening now, they might not get it and be like, oh, okay, so this is horrorcore. It's kind of fucked things up in a way because people that only love horror and then they end up trying to get into some hip hop that might be darker than Nasty Nas or Wu Tang. Because, see, those guys get very obscure. And they're right. very lyrical, but they probably don't get as dark as I get. You know what I mean? I'll get a little bit more morbid than all of them. But we're all very creative. The lyrics are not lyrics you, you're going to digest in one take. You can listen to it 20 years from now, and you're like, oh, what did Ghostface say? What did Raekwon say? What did RZA say? Same thing with Necro. What did Necro say? But I'm, I kind of tap into a little darker frame. Basically, this is the problem why it's very hard for me to gain horror fans who are, let's say, if somebody's like a Rob Zombie fan, mm -hmm. how does he know that Necro is the real shit that he needs to listen to? It's difficult for these kids to decipher. It's not like I'm saying I know because I spoke to them. It's that I have a hard time getting them. And I'm assuming that a lot of these kids, they end up maybe looking online and searching. 
and then they end up seeing a corny genre and then it's like isn't it crazy like you could do metal and it'll be respected you know on a more evil plateau but the horror dark version of hip-hop is not respected it's always been a problem you know and then you know i was never able to get record deals because all the people always said you're not marketable so you know how am i not marketable when the whole horror market blows up anytime an insidious gets released or a rob zombie movie or an eli roth movie all these movies do millions right but the average dumb schmuck girl that listens to the radio that doesn't know anything that isn't one of those smarter girls she will love horror though right it's like how is it that that girl but, but but we'll totally front on some necro shit. Nah, I don't like listening to music. It's too brutal. But you just went and watched the fucking Halloween movie. <laughs> oh, that's different. That's different. There's popcorn. I'm eating popcorn when I go there. And I'm with my boyfriend. And it's so scary to cuddle him while someone's head gets sliced off. But I can't listen to necro. It, 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 well, let me ask you a question. Why do you think that that demographic, that human being will front on hardcore music, brutal shit, but have no issue watching a Halloween movie or a Freddy Krueger or any gore flick that blows up in the movie theater. What, why is it that they can, people will handle it visually but can't handle the audio? I think, you know what I think it is? I think, and this is just a, a guess, but I think that maybe they're just like, they think of it as like watching a movie is not like a lifestyle, whereas music might be. Uh, and unless you're like, you know, a horror nerd like me who just fucking watches nothing but horror movies all the fucking time and listens to some depraved shit and doesn't really care. You know what I mean? Well, see, I'm a debater when I don't agree with something or mm -hmm. I think or I think something doesn't really get down to it. I don't know how I feel about that answer. So it's kind of like, hmm, because um, basically what you, what you said is it's not a lifestyle. So watching people's heads get chopped the fuck off, <laughs> whether it's real or not. You're visually now seeing it with your eyes. It's being pushed by Hollywood. Right. Little kids can go see it. Somebody getting butchered. But, but that's not lifestyle. All that's right. literally being pushed as culture. That's horror movie culture. You look at Fandango.com, horror movies every week right. are coming out. That's part of fucking American culture. Horror, which is always people getting fucking killed. And you can bring your little kid there to it. And people do bring their little fucking eight-year-old. And they'll let you come in. You can basically buy a ticket to the new horror movie this week. And you can bring your seven-year-old or ten-year-old with you if you're an adult. And he'll sit with you and watch this butchering. <laughs> but yet somehow you're saying it's different. And I've heard many people say this. Oh, well, music's a lifestyle. Or that's, you know, oh, that's audio. You have to really be into the audio. You really believe the rapper. I think I am in the lifestyle of horror. So for me, watching movies, this is my lifestyle. But for someone who's like floating around, just bumping into shit, they're just like, oh, it's just a movie. It's no big deal. Whereas they might, that kind of Why? person. I don't know. Why? I mean, that's Why? a good okay, question. Okay. No, right. Why is that fucking person? Oh, it's just a fucking movie of butchering. But no, I don't want to listen. No, I don't like that necro shit you played. Here's what I'm going to say the problem is. Mm -hmm. Problem's a couple of things. Number one, the fucking music industry never and does not support somebody like necro. So I will not get any fucking support on any level. 
Yeah. But every horror movie will end up getting a deal with a fucking with a fucking uh, Harvey Weinstein. I mean, he's probably put out tons of horrors. All these dudes will release butchering movies, but all the music companies refuse to release anything butchering. Isn't it kind of crazy that you can release gangster movies where people get shot in the fucking face? Right. But when NWA released music that was audio versions of that, it was like a fucking nightmare in the 80s. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, I so, mean... I think it's. I, I think that's changing, it. though, man. I think that's changing because people are going out and finding what they want, rather than being force-fed the bullshit from all these other fucking places. You know what I mean? Well, that is the beauty of where maybe things are going, where you know you you do have more of an opportunity to promote and grab people. It's not fucking easy because the average person really doesn't have fucking a hundred thousand dollars to pump into just testing to see if their music's going to blow up in the Rob Zombie world or the fucking horror world where a major label, when they would normally sign you, they're pumping millions into you. And they're, so they're already like, okay, well, we feel you're going to blow up in this market and you're going to blow up in the boom bap market and you're going to blow up in the, you know, the mainstream market. And, and then they figure out the markets and then they allocate, you know, 200,000 here, 150 there, you know, most artists do not have that. Right. So, even though there is opportunities now, most people really aren't going to have the money anyway to really fucking explore those opportunities because you're not going to make a huge fucking dent. You definitely have to invest some money. So, I mean, most people don't even have $1,000 to their name. Right. So, I mean, a guy like me, yes, I am promoting to the horror market now. But I can't promote – I'd be lying if I said I can promote 100000 to it. Right. You know what I mean? But I do promote thousands to it, you know, and – I can't, it's very hard to quantify though. Like, Oh, okay. You know, did I make a hundred new horror fans today? You have to kind of, in some, in some ways, the quantification of marketing, even in 2018 is a little difficult to quantify it. So you got to have faith and you got to do things and just hope, you know, that, uh, you know, let's see, hopefully it'll work. I mean, I do see Spotify said I had 255,000 new fans this year. So that means obviously, you know, I gained, a good fucking probably on all platforms, way over three hundred thousand or four hundred thousand, probably new mm -hmm. fans. I don't know where the fuck they're coming from. It could be from part of my promotion, you know. But uh, you know, once again, you know, they're just giving you their stats, you know. Who for all we know, Spotify's lying to everybody just to get us all pumped up to give them music, right? Because now they because they're telling dudes that only have twenty fucking listens. Hey, great fucking year, schmuck. You only got 20 fucking streams this year and you got one fan. I saw a dude who had the balls to post up that he had two fans and like a fucking thousand streams. And he was like, oh, ah! and Spotify thanked him for a great year. So that shows you that, you know, you never really know what any of these fuckheads. That was one of my questions is actually to ask you about Spotify and YouTube and streaming in general, because, you know. While we're on the topic, shit, I mean, most most people who are into music or doing their own thing now have to be their own manager, their own tour manager. They might have to hire somebody. They got to put out their own distribution digitally through whatever channel they want to do. But most people are doing it on their own, and you seem to be embracing it while a lot of other rap artists are fucking raging against the machine. I've been independent from day one, so, you know what I mean? I started my record label in 99, so... I got 18 years of doing shit all by myself, so I'm always going to be on a level different than, you know, 99% of anybody trying to do this. You know what I mean? It's like I'm beyond the 10,000 hours. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I made a million yeah. dollars. I made a million dollars out of my apartment myself fucking off CDs, you know, in like 2004. You know what I mean? So like 
you know, I, I've been through the whole CD world, which was the brutalest fucking world of just fucking nightmares, just literally packing, shipping, pressing shit up, fucking dealing with chain stores, fucking buying fucking promotions in chain stores. I mean, this shit was a fucking clusterfuck nightmare and super difficult if you were doing it independent and constant roadblocks, constant obstacles, constant gatekeepers, right. always some shithead trying to fucking stop your shit from getting stocked. I mean, I fought fucking with everybody. So what happened is I built up such a diehard fan base that it's like nothing can really touch me. Like, there's no rapper that could even fucking insult me. And, like, I would lose my fans. Like, they, it's like uh, some rapper could come out, Necro's dead, 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 and then my fans would be like, get the fuck out of here, bro. That's Necro. Like, he's the king of death rap. Like, what the fuck are you going to say? Like, <laughs> it's just, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, Eminem, Eminem could come with his most diggity, biggity, shmiggity, biggity. Necro was diggity, biggity. Necro was wackity when niggas are still laughing and be like, yeah, oh, whatever. <laughs> because i'm not fucking like a you know like a machine gun kelly like you know machine gun kelly was built through getting signed by puff daddy right you know what i mean i built my shit from the fucking ground up literally every fucking thing every release i own i own every master most rappers don't own their own masters so when you talk about spotify and all these things a lot of these guys that drop classic albums their master is actually owned by some old record label, by like a Cold Chilling or a Warner Brothers or a Universal or they own. Let's say, so you'll go on Spotify and see if some dude or a metal guy or whoever, and they got 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 listeners. But then you'll look at their first four albums, which are probably the things that are generating those 400,000 streams. And then you'll notice, oh, it's on Relapse Records. Oh, it's on fucking Roadrunner Records. Or, bro, these dudes didn't get their fucking masters back. Yeah. Guaranteed they did Yeah, they're still bro. waiting and fighting for it. Not only that, they'll probably never get it back because these companies are all masters of always keeping you in the red. So what happens is how are you a master of always keeping someone in the red? Because they probably will just be able to always show that they spent more money on promotion than you made off the CDs you sold at the time. Yeah. So. Like, you know, I mean, listen, some people, sh if they're smart, will get their shit back. But remember now, smart, I'm smart. Are they <laughs> smart? I don't know how many people are smart. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're giving people credit, to, you know, to assume that they're smart just because now they have options. Right. What I mean by that is just because somebody didn't sign away their digital rights 15 years ago and could technically get their record back from that label, don't assume that that guy fucking knows that. Uh, he might literally be a fucking moron and not, not doesn't even understand that you know what i mean like that aspect like oh shit you know something i can actually get my own shit back so bottom line i'm willing to bet 80 percent of all people that sign deals with other people that didn't own are not getting checks from from anywhere digitally now and they're struggling right and a lot of dudes Fucking don't have a pot to piss in, and a lot of them don't even have an emergency fund. No, Passionate well, ramen noodles for fucking you know, five, ten no, I mean, years. Listen, listen, some dudes are working construction. Some dudes are working fucking sanitation. Some dudes are um, are working, you know, different jobs, DJing. Some dudes are touring as much as they can, so they'll, they'll keep the money off touring so that they make themselves available to at least tour a lot for a lower price. Like me, I only tour for as much money as I can get. Some people will tour for as least money as they can get because they have rent to pay. 
Right. You know what I mean? Where me, I don't have to worry about it. So I'm only going to take the shit that's going to pay me the most because I don't want to have to rehearse and fucking do all this work just to get, you know what I mean, a thousand. You know what I mean? I want to fucking get paid 5,000 for my show, 6,000. So I'm going to, you know, do other shit. And then when I get the, a good offer and a good market, I'll do it. But because I am at a different level than other people. Why am I at a different level? Well, a couple of things. One thing I just explained, I own every master. If you don't own every master, like I said, you know what I'm saying? A lot of these dudes. So, so yeah, I mean, a lot of people didn't do it as indie as I did. Some people only really started from 2010 and on. So I got a good 15 years on them. And then some people didn't start 2010 and on. Some people literally started two years ago. Right. Oh, if you just started two years ago, you might not own any masters. You you might just be getting a tiny little check off the new single you dropped. You're not going to get enough to invest in yourself. Right. You're not going to be able to be a great your own label. You know what I mean? To be a great your own label, you got to be at least at my level where I make enough money that I am like my own. I am a real label. You understand? It's just I'm investing in me. But right. I make enough money because of what I, the moves I did, I can invest in me, you know. Um, and, you know, listen, I wanted to do deals. A lot of people didn't want to fuck with me. I kept getting told you're not marketable. The ego of an artist is the biggest ego on the planet. I, 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 I've never met anybody who has bigger ego than a rapper. I yeah. mean, rappers have the biggest fucking egos. They think fucking they are gods. This could be a rapper that is broke as fuck living with his mother in the basement. And he'll, he thinks he's a fucking god compared to you. Because he raps. I rap. I'm good. I'm god. <laughs> that's rap. That's hip-hop bravado. So you got a dude who thinks he's the shit. He's not trying to hear that his shit didn't sell well. Like, get the fuck out of here. You owe me money, motherfucker. Nah, I don't owe you a dime, actually. Yeah, you do. You're robbing me. And they're stupid too. So they could rhyme really good, but terrible in business. So they have, the, they don't even, some of these rappers, they probably won't even look at the fucking accounting. You're just, you're robbing me. I don't got no money. You know, like it's just, it's this bunch of dumb, dumbest fucks ever. And so it's like dumb schmucks with egos and big crooks that run <laughs> labels. So the combination just leads to dudes. So here's what happens. They get bitter and then they don't want to release something again because you don't have the musto in you to want to put all that work that you put in on that one classic because you didn't make enough money. So you're like, why am I going to put all this work in to make another fucking movie when, sure, people will like me, but I didn't become rich. I thought I was going to drop that shit and I was going to become rich. I was going to get all the pussy in the world. You end up maybe fucking a couple of groupies and you, you don't really end up with that fucking gorgeous wife you thought you were going to get from that classic album. <laughs> so now you're like, I didn't get gorgeous fucking wife. I'm just getting a couple of groupies. One of the, one of, one of the groupies pussy smelled out of the 10 that I fucked. You know what I mean? There was, none of them really wanted to hang with me after. And then fucking... I don't get much money. The label's telling me I'm in the red. They're being shady with me now. They're treating me like I'm shit. Why yeah. would you want to go make more music? Why well, would you and, go in and go make another classic? And a lot of record labels, even if you are doing good, they'll tell you you aren't because they want that money because they're not well, doing so well overall sometimes. Well, think about it. If they tell you that you're doing great, it's one thing if you're really doing great. Then they want you to, you know, like if you're like millionaire level, that, that works out. But if you're only doing a little bit great. Right. They don't want to gas you up now because now when they do pay you that extra 10 G's, you're going to be like, well, I thought I was doing good. You paid me 10. Where's my next 10? <laughs> so it, it's, it, it's almost 
like all these companies want to keep you on the fucking hook. You know what I mean? Like on the bait to like thinking that you didn't really do that great. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then yeah. this, and because there's always, there's always some new person that wants to come out because of the ego. So they always have someone new to put out. So if you become lazy, then fuck it. We got someone else to put out. And that yeah. makes it even crazier for an ego. So imagine you're thinking the label's all about you, and then they're telling you, yeah, you did okay, but they got a new band that's the hottest shit. Now they're on that band's dick. <laughs> and your ego's like, what the fuck? Why are you not focusing on me? It's like it's all out of ego and a lot of – so but point of the matter, I don't know why we got into this convo specifically, but basically I'm just basically saying that a lot of people don't keep releasing shit because – of all this shit fucks their mind up. So, you know, why does somebody take five, six years? Because it takes five, six years for them of trying to figure out all these other ways to make money. I'll tour, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll try to do this. And then eventually they're like, oh, okay, fine. Now I got to sit and make another one. Right. Very few people keep, keep making shit. You have to, okay, if you look at like fucking the legendary groups, you know, Metallica had four or five in a row because they kept growing. So you know what I mean? Yeah. Slayer were always on a on a on an upstream. So Slayer kept kept doing shit. But notice a lot of the metal groups that only had dropped one or two, uh, you know, because because they struggled. They didn't get to blow up like Metallica or Slayer were doing. So their momentum fucking died out. And a lot of those groups, you'll notice a singer leaves, somebody important leaves, you know, flotsam and jetsam, and then fucking. Uh, fucking Jason Newstead leaves them immediately. They're done. He goes right. to Metallica. They finished it. They're just like, oh, he's Metallica. That just crushed their whole career. They weren't motivated. Yeah. They were like, oh, Jason left us. We're, we're done. <laughs> I mean, look at Exodus. The second fucking Kirk Hammett left them. Exodus was never able to blow up like all the other groups. You know? Yeah. It was just because, I don't know, just because, well, of course, a lot of reasons because they had singer issues, drummer issues, where Metallica, you know, like Metallica is an example of a group that, you know, even with Cliff's death, they were able to keep going because they were had so much momentum. They were doing so well that everyone was on their deck. They, they weren't having that problem where they were like, you know what I mean, struggling because every because they, they, you know, they were like they're like the perfect from bottom to top story. You know what I mean? Like even with their tragedies, they kept but coming most, at it too. But yeah, but most groups don't have that most groups don't get that lucky so you know and most groups aren't that good if we're really going to come down to it i like metallica better than all, all metal groups so you know it, it, usually the guys that were really the best kept making movies you know what i mean and then you notice how, how many people made movie horror movies and them it was one movie and never again but you, but guys like fucking clive barker kept coming with shit Right. He, Clive Barker keeps reinventing himself. I know Cl Clive Barker's Hellraiser, right? Right, yeah. That's like an example of a dude that like he fucking transcended many fucking decades. You know what I mean? He did shit in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s because that that's an example of somebody who, you know, he he knew he needed to keep doing shit. And that's probably why I bet you he's a rich dude. I bet you he's not one of those horror guys that's broke. Clive Barker definitely is fucking chilling. Enough oh, yeah. that even if he got fucked on deals, he surpassed that where he did enough things that they work. That's how you got to be in music. You got to do enough things that one deal won't fuck you. Right. A lot of these artists, that one deal fucks them and then they never recover and they don't make another deal happen. Hmm. So you think a bit of stubbornness is uh, is and uh, maybe chasing the demons a little bit is uh, good? Being stubborn hurts people. No, no, no. That, that's, that's the wrong word that you're using there. I know people that are stubborn. 
that don't listen to people that could help them, and then they end up fucking themselves, and they have no career. So I don't think that's the word you're using. That you, 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 you what you're saying is be fucking relentless. Yeah, not that, stubborn. You know what yeah, I'm saying? No, Stubborn's the wrong word, bro. You need to be relentless. In any pursuit, no matter in horror, where it takes you. horror directing, metal, rapping, if you're not relentless, you will get nowhere. There's a lot of people out there now doing stuff, so yeah, you you can't just sit back. And if you want to, if you want to do what you love, you just got to keep doing it. That's yeah, what I mean exactly. by chasing the demons. That it totally focuses them, you know, like it makes them have a purpose, and it's it's what they do. You know, I'm focused. Well, so I know you I'm are. You got a lot of albums, a lot of EPs. You know, I, I just fucking, I own everything and, and, and I do what I want. So I pretty much am in that space where I do whatever I want. Nobody tells me what to do. And I've always been able to get it out there enough that my fan base knows of it. You know what I mean? So even if, you know, it, it's one thing about making new fans, but it's another thing if you release something and you can't even market it that the people that like you know it's out there. So I've always been able to make my own fans like it. So, you know, I had a million fans this year. Just on Spotify, because I can't really tell on every other platform. They don't really tell you that info. Yeah. But I got enough fucking fans that I'm good for life. But I am trying to blow up in the horror market because I feel if there's any MC rapper that represents, you know, the 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 flavor of horror, uh, you know, the thing that the horror genre entails, dark shit, you know what I mean? Eeriness, uh, you know, obviously murder. You know, gore, um, you know, evil characters. Like, my music entails that, you know? And that's a market that's mega fucking huge. And I literally don't have a million horror fans listening to Necro. I and mean, they should. Wow. Do you agree? I think you'd be surprised. I think you'd be surprised. A lot of the people I know who are into horror actually really have been listening to you for a long time. And just a few of the close friends that I told that I was going to be talking to you, they, like, flipped their shit. You know, they were like, oh, hell yeah. So you have well, definitely built a rabid fan base for that. Yeah, obviously, you know, there's some people, you know, and, and it happens to be some of your friends, you know. Are they metalheads too? Or they yeah, yeah, they listen to rap, metal, uh, industrial, all kinds of stuff, man. Like, it's Well, those are those are the open-minded, okay? You be, And you're obviously open-minded. So, yeah, I mean, bottom line, a necro fan needs to be somebody open-minded. I mean, would, okay, would you say that somebody that's going to like a Rob Zombie, I'm just using Rob Zombie as an example. Right. Somebody that likes a Rob Zombie brand new horror movie. Do they need to be open-minded? Or could they be a total just fucking idiot that knows nothing? <laughs> right. No, I get your point. Yeah. yeah. There's... No, I'm asking you. Uh, do you think that the person would need to be a little open-minded? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Because a lot of people you... these days are triggered over everything. Okay, so you think his fan base for his movies is definitely a more open-minded fan base that, that's into horror and yeah. horror culture? Okay. Yeah, so, definitely, especially some of his exploitative work. So there you go. So there's millions of people that love that shit. I don't have all those millions of fans now. So, of course, I might have some of the open-minded ones that are your homies. Right. But how do I get the other ones? Because here's the thing. Why shouldn't I? I mean, everybody strives to be bigger. So, like, why can't I be 10 times bigger than I am now? The only way I'm going to be 10 times bigger than I am now is to reach those people somehow. They have to discover the music and they have to realize what it is. You know, and, and the way they discover it has to be like a, an organic way, right? Because here's the thing. What makes a lot of us go on Netflix and we might give something a chance because we respect Netflix. Right. So we might be like, oh, Netflix is pretty dope. They've given me some good things. I'm going to watch that new movie. But if it wasn't on Netflix, we might diss it, especially this day and age because there's so many things to watch. 
Right. So how do you make a decision? So when I see something's Amazon original or Netflix original, I give it a little bit of a better look. You know what I mean? Or if FX put it out or whatever. So, you know, how does somebody know that Necro's the shit? You know what I mean? Like, how, how are they going to know that? You know, and that, that's the trick of marketing, of me figuring out. And it takes money and, you know, I might have to market to fucking 100 people to get five people out of those 100 to actually go and listen. Right. You know what well, I mean? And that's where it brings it back to the whole Spotify thing and why you're probably such a supporter of that and streaming music because you're reaching a whole new base that's willing to give it a chance when maybe they wouldn't have bought something if they hadn't had the opportunity to listen to it. You know what I mean? Well, that's the beauty of not having to buy something because a lot of people, you know, uh, you'd have to spend $100 to buy 10 albums that you might not like Right. Where now you used to spend ten dollars and you have a whole membership and you can listen to every Metallica, Slayer, Necro, Big Pun, everyone's album, and you can make your own playlist and just take the song from the Metallica album you love best with the Slayer song, and you're just paying ten dollars a month or whatever, fifteen, ten a month or whatever. So streaming is a wonderful world. And here's the beautiful thing of streaming that separates me from let's say somebody who's whack. Let's say the whack guy, let's just say he has better marketing, more money and all that. So he was able to get people to buy 50,000 of his CD. But the second they buy the 50,000 CDs, most of the people of the 50,000 sort of thought it sucked because it wasn't good. So they bought it. They got marketed to, to make the purchase, but they never listened to it. Now, 5,000 kids or 10,000 get marketed to buy the Necro CD, listen to it and love it. And they end up playing the Necro CD 200 fucking times each. Now, just be them paying, playing the Necro fucking CD 200 times each is not going to make me more money than the guy who sold 50,000 fucking CDs. Okay? And nobody's playing his shit. But now, if you, if you take it now to a streaming world, now nobody's going to play that guy. That guy can't live in this world now. Even if he markets. Because people are going to listen to one time and they're like, fuck this guy. I'm not buying. First of all, I'm not buying anything from him. <laughs> and I just listened for five seconds and it sucks. <laughs> so now nobody's going to stream him, but I'm going to get all those fucking streams. So the 10,000 people that played me 200 times, that's going to make fucking what? Two million streams or whatever the fuck. I don't know. I don't know uh, math on the, t you know, in my brain without a calculator on that level, 10,000 times 200. I'm going to get paid for those streams. Now. Yeah, of course, streaming doesn't pay like it, it should, but the point is, those people probably listen to me for the rest of their life. So what's better, to get that one $10 from that person for that one CD? Right. Or is it better to make that person a streamer of your music for life? That's good I'd point. rather have somebody streaming me for life because I'll make way more than $10 off of that person. Right, because they're like, going to so, stick around. There's no, there's no uh, obligation like it is if you just buy it. Well, not only that, if you buy somebody's album and it sucked, did you ever buy another one? No, nah, definitely no, not. I don't know. It might that, take a few albums before I come back. Right, or you just might never buy it again. You're like, right. I bought one. It wasn't a classic. They don't get another sale from me ever again. I'll get my friend to burn it. Where streaming, if they like my new album, they might go stream the whole catalog and go into a whole wormhole of necro let's fucking listen to everything from this motherfucker that's why i like streaming because streaming is going to separate the the men from the from the kids it's going to show who people really want to listen to bottom yeah. line if your shit's really good people are going to listen to you if it's not good and here's the thing you got rappers like post malone who people are listening to who i think is a pile of shit and garbage i think he sucks and but here's the thing they've obviously marketed that crap to enough people that do like to play that crap and do think it's good. 
So, I mean, it's, it almost shows there's hope even for me because it just it, it makes me think, okay, well, he's got $40 million a month on Spotify, it shows, okay? And I got two hundred and you know, or 25000 a month currently. Um, you know, uh, there's, uh, there could be a million people out there that like Demon Skulls, Horror, fucking Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson, fucking hardcore hip hop, all these different things. And they're not currently listening to me. Right. And I got to somehow fucking get them to listen to me and they'll fuck with me. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll never have 40 million because I don't think I'm going to break into that kind of mainstream world. But I know I can and will be bigger than I am now. I'm definitely going to 10x Necro. Meaning, I'm gonna everything I do is gonna become ten times bigger. So, you know, I'm definitely gonna get to a point where you're gonna see my Spotify, and there's two million people listening. But I don't think I'll get to forty million because that's gonna require too much money. And maybe the market isn't that big where I can promote to that many people because people are whack. But I do know that there's more than enough people who like horror or like dark shit or hardcore shit. That I should have more than two hundred and you know twenty five thousand listeners a month. Right. That's how I feel. You know what I mean. So that that's what inspires me to keep me going. Because, but here's the thing. Let's say I was told right now. Let's say God came down right now. Hey, Necro, this is as big as you will be. You are stuck here, and this is where you will be. I w- I would say thank you, God. It's a blessing. I appreciate it because I'm in a fucking penthouse right now. I got groupies. I got. Uh, money you know what i'm saying i can eat what i want i got a gym downstairs <laughs> it's 2500 square foot in my building you know what i'm saying i just right. dropped the classic album i would say thank you god you know what i'm saying because trust me it could be way worse there's probably uh, ten thousand rappers now that aren't on my level you know what i mean <laughs> right. that are way below me but we all want to get bigger everybody i'm sure when eli roth drops inferno green inferno he probably didn't think it did b- big enough i bet right. you probably it did whatever it did and in his world, he's like, oh, all these other movies did fucking, you know, 20, 40 million more than shit this fuck. I mean, he's like, I'm doing Cannibal Holocaust, but I'm going to do I'm doing it cool. It's going to blow up. And, you know, it didn't. I mean, right. I don't I liked it. It was cool. I don't think it was the bomb. Do you like it better than the uh, Cannibal Holocaust? The original? I'm, mm, the original is always the original. I don't right. I, I'm not, I mean, you know, I, I did think. There was a lot of greatness to the Hills Have Eyes remake Hell compared yeah. to the original. Because I really enjoyed the dude who, who, was, who was originally Buffalo Bill. And he got burnt on the fucking, right? He played the father, the nigga that was Buffalo Bill's in that, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And he and he got burnt. And, and I love the way they made the creature. Shit was the, fucking you know, brutal. <laughs> like he was a great creature. Like, you know, be, listen, obviously there's nothing like Barry. Is that his name? Barrymore? I can't remember his name off the top right now. The first but. guy. No, the, the, the in the original is Barry. Oh, Barryman. Yeah, I think Barryman. you might be right. Yeah. Now, listen, you know, he's classic, but for them to do a remake and it was good that, yeah, you know, but like, did I think that he outdid an original? I mean, listen, it's cool to see, you know what I mean? It's cool to see. I thought it maybe could have been a little bit more brutal, but see, that's the problem these days. He's worried about it fucking doing good in the fucking box office. So he's making a Cannibal Holocaust remake and still being forced to think, oh, you know, you need to tone it down a little bit because we need to get it into theaters to be that. that that's the, the whackness that now you're going to make a brutal flick and you're going to tone it down because you're not going to get a chance to make another fucking flick and have a fucking studio fund it if you don't show numbers. And then right. what happens is 
guys like me and you, I'm assuming you're a horror guy, right? Right. We fucking sure. watch it. We're not blown away. And yeah, we'll go watch another Eli Roth flick because he's not a total dud to us. He's done cool things, you know, so he's not like when I think of him, I'm like, yeah, I'll fuck with Eli Roth if he drops something new, depending if I like the trailer. But I don't think we look at him on the level of Tarantino. He didn't blow us to fucking. I mean, Hostel was dope, but I'm just saying in general, I don't think he was able to deliver where people were like, oh, my God. You know, I don't know. Uh, Am I wrong? No, no, no. I mean, as far as uh, Eli Roth, I mean, he's had some some shitty ones in there, but for the most part, I'm happy with what most of his stuff that he's done. But, you know, that's what you do. You just keep going. So he's probably just keep pumping them out whenever he can. And why has it been? fucking three four years since green inferno right has it been a while it's been a good three yeah least, right? i just uh we reviewed it not too long ago but uh 2013 he dropped that it didn't do what he wanted it to do and he got a little burnt he went so here's what happens you do that he goes now he goes gets married you can invest fucking two years into that because he's like thing you know it's like that's what happens with, with with artists like us it's not that we're bad people it's that Everything always has to come to some fucking marketing and fucking e-commerce. You know, it's always put up. Then you have to deal with people reviewing you and say, oh, it wasn't such a great fucking movie. Like, you have any fucking idea the hell I went through in the jungle to bring you a fucking Cannibal Holocaust remake, motherfucker? (laughs) And you're going to fucking judge me? Hey, at least, hey, horror guys, do you know what I went through? (laughs) Like, can you at least fucking thank me and say, thank you, Eli, for trying and doing your best. But nobody's going to say that. Nobody's going to be understanding well, of the he hell that Eli on, Roth went through. He, he he may be chomping on the, uh, the the mainstream bit here because I just looked and I forgot that he did Knock Knock, which is that fucking uh, Keanu Reeves fucking like home invasion movie. And then he did Death Wish with fucking Death shit. Wish I wasn't blown away by. I didn't see it yet. He did Death Wish. Well, he did, he, did he, the he remake. He directed Death Wish? Yeah, he directed it. And Or wait. Yeah. Yeah, he directed nah. it, and he did the new movie, The House with the Clock in the Wall in its Walls, which is like a kid flick. So you okay. can imagine the House with the Clock in the Walls is a pile of shit. I didn't watch it, <laughs> but I looked at the fucking trailer, and you want right. to know what I was telling Mister Hyde the other day? This is my response. I said, "What a fucking waste of Jack Black." <laughs> right. Why are they fucking wasting this guy? Well, I told Mister Hyde, I said, "This is what they should fucking do." Why is Jack Black? Not in a current fucking gangster movie as like a bookie directed by Scorsese or somebody or like a joint. You could fucking joint. I was I didn't mention Eli Roth, but let's mention him now. So Scorsese directs it. Eli Roth produces it. Uh, fucking Jack Black's a bookie. Mad killing and butchering in the movie on some like mob shit. But yet he's still funny. You can let him crack his fucking jokes like he did in School of Rock. Still make <laughs> him funny. Kind of like a new Pesci. Or like a Jonah Hill and like fucking Wall Street. Jonah Hill's kind of a fat fag, but he showed me love before. So uh, he said he's a necro fan. So I don't want to diss. Well, that's fucked up. (laughs) Sorry, Jonah. (laughs) I just called you a fat fag. Sorry, Jonah. No, no. I. Here's the thing. Jonah's good for what he's good for, but he's not good for what I'm saying now. I'm he, he, he wouldn't play a fucking gangster bookie where Jack Black probably could, you know, but it'd be funny. But anyway, here's my point. I, I saw fucking Jack Black in this dumb fucking movie, and I'm like, why is this the bullshit this guy's doing? <laughs> right. Like, I saw him in some good things. 
things. You know what I mean? And this is the crap motherfuckers got to do now. And that's what Eli Roth is doing now. Like, get the fuck out of here, bro. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's chomping at that Main Street bit right there. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck he's doing. I can't judge him because if we were in his shoes, he could be like, (laughs) do you know what I'm dealing with? I mean, we might find out that he dealt with nightmares with all the horrors he did, and he had problems, and he got robbed by them, and you know, and he has bills. And he's like, "Yo, I gotta like, like nobody cares what anybody goes through. Nobody gives a fuck what I go through. Right? They just want right, where's the new music, Necro? No new music? Fuck you! I'm listening to another rapper. Right? No yeah. new music? I'm not buying your merch. Fuck you! Oh, brand new music, new album? I love you. You're the best. I'm buying your <laughs> shirt right now. Speaking of which, oh. by the way. Freaking uh, headneck apartheid, the fucking uh, track. The, uh, one of yeah. my one of my favorite ones on there. I like a bunch of them, but yeah. can you tell me about that? Like, what you what were you thinking about when you named it that, and what what it, what it's about to you, so people can kind of understand. Well, maybe? do you do you, well? Let's let's fucking get the elephant out of the room. Do you right. know where I I got the sample from? Yeah, a hundred percent. But I didn't want to fucking roll you under the bus on that shit. So, well, I mean, look, basically, that's where headneck apartheid comes from because the first thing that came to my mind that rhymed with dark side was somehow the word apartheid. I can't, I can't even explain to you, but in my mind, I was like, I don't want to be so obvious and call it dark side. So, what rhymes with dark side? The first word that came to my head was apartheid. Right. And immediately in the word apartheid, apartheid meant segregation and so i met right. immediately thought of something brutal and immediately literally this probably happened within a second head neck apartheid which makes sense which, which is the separation of your neck from your head so it'd be yeah. basically it'd be decapitating you so literally that's my way of not being obvious and fucking not giving it away to most people even though i mentioned it on the hook you know, and I say, you know, let's bring you to the dark side, introduce you to head, neck, apartheid. Um, it's just really being lyrical and original. That's really what it comes from. Right, it's pretty right. simple. It's just when, when you're a lyricist, you want to do things that are original. I mean, that's the problem with horrorcore. Horrorcore rappers would, would do the obvious. This yeah. is Tales from the Dark Side, the Hard Side. It would just be like the worst lyrics. They, <laughs> they wouldn't even think of mentioning the word apartheid and then using it different than what it is. Because apartheid technically means the separation of people on some racial shit or whatever. But if you look it up in the dictionary, there is part of it that talks where it's just literally seg- segregation. Segregation means separating. It doesn't necessarily mean separating people racially. Right. So you could separate the head from the neck. You know, so that's lyricism. That's where you're coming on the level of a Nas and the level of a Wu-Tang. You understand? Because we, we, we think of things that are not just the, the, the most obvious. You know right. what I mean? The most obvious would be to just say, I will decapitate your head. You know what I mean? I'm rapping <laughs> like I'm dead. any flavor whatsoever, yeah. Okay, now, it, it, it's you know, it, 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 you want to say things that it, that, that is going to make people remember. Because here's the thing. Nobody's ever going to call a song head neck apartheid probably ever in the history of the world. I will probably be the only person that will ever call it that. So I've, by me calling it that I already just pretty much made, did classic. I did classic writing by doing that. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be its own thing, you know, now I'll give you an example. So the opening song is called murder obscene. Right. And, but originally I was going to call it murder scene because for whatever reason it became murder scene. And, 
because I like the idea of that. Okay, I'm rapping murder scene. You know, I, I say it's a murder scene. Homicide detectives getting out of bed to work a murder scene. I was painting that whole scenario. You know, when you're watching TV or something and, and you see that the, always the detective gets cold when he's sleeping. Wake up. Somebody's been murdered. So I'm painting all these pictures. And I said, you know something? Let me see if anybody made a song called Murder Scene. And I go online and I look up and I see tons of rappers. Right. Like, ah, fuck. I already did this song. I recorded it. But I don't want to be like these. And the rappers are all these new trap rappers. And they weren't really lyrical. So I was like, immediately, I think, lyrics. Okay, murder, scene, mur obscene. Murder, obscene. And then in the song, I'm saying obscene things. I'm like, I was letting off the lead, wifey, you heard her scream, catching head from a dead bitch, a perverted scene, invade your crib like a burglar with Jergens cream. And so I'm, I'm basically just saying perverted shit, you know what I mean? I'm, <laughs> so I said, oh, this totally makes sense. You understand? It lyrically made fucking sense. Murder scene, murder obscene. So I got the best of both worlds. I was able to be original. If you, if you look at the word, uh, the title murder obscene, you still see murder scene in there. Right. If you visually look at it. And then on the artwork, I made it like that, where murder obscene and the O and the B is blood and murder scene is in, in blue. So it's all art. It's all always trying to be original with murder. You're going to do murderous shit, but you want to make it clever. You want to make it fucking, you know, like kind of like the old Giallo flicks. Like the old right. Giallo flicks were always clever and, and mysterious and they had good soundtracks and, you know, and always had beautiful women in it. And that's like really dope horror. That's just an example of one genre. Giallo is one genre, but it shows you that horror was able to be artistic. They always did right. it really fucking cool and they had real good angles and, you know, and like, you know, the directors were always respected artistically, whether, I don't know, right, Fulci and fucking Argento and all these guys. Um, and, you know, point of the matter is in that title, I was able to, 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 to get off the murder scene, but then also the fact that it's um, a, a lot of the, the, the murder scene has obscene things happening. I'm, I'm saying a lot of fucking... Uh, you know, forensic type ter terminology, but, you know, talking about butchering a bitch, you know what I mean, as, as right. one of the things I'm doing, because that was kind of a little of, uh, of the theme of the album, kind of kind of a little bit of a tribute to, to Richard Ramirez in a way. Okay. Not, not really a tribute, but, you know, <laughs> kind of like he's an influence because right. of the way that he got down was very, you know, I've always tributed Manson on, in, in many ways on previous albums, and I wanted to flip it. And, you know, and, and, you know, let's delve into a different serial killer that was interesting, you know what I mean? In the way that he rocked and, and Richard Ramirez has never really been rocked really by any rapper properly. You know what I mean? Like, right. You did his album knowing that you'll catch things now like, oh, OK, OK, OK. That's some shit. Richard Ramirez would have did or did do. You know what I mean? In the, in the lyrics, you can see influence of that. And, you know, just because, you know, it, it, it was interesting from like, I'm lyrically always murdering, you know what I mean? So I could be influenced by any kind of murder that has happened in the world. I can talk about murder that's been done by anybody who's murdered, which really, if you really analyze it, Richard Ramirez isn't special. He's just somebody who did it and terrified people. But, you know, government's been murdering people for years doing right. illegally. So it's yeah, like, that's a good point. Yeah. So, you know, murder itself is not, it's just, you know, it's never looked at as fucking evil when they do it. It's always looked at as evil when some random Puerto Rican dude fucking is running through LA doing it. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, because he's, because he's doing it randomly and he's also fucking killing old women. So it's kind of like, okay, this guy's, you know, 
no good. It's not part but, uh, of the plan, is what they say in the fucking uh, the dark. Well, night. it is weird. Well, it is fucking weird. Obviously, <laughs> right, you know what yeah. I mean, it, it's a little different <laughs> when you're doing it. But point of the matter is, murder's murder. People are getting butchered either fucking way. The person ends up dead. So it just comes down to how do you want to cook the fish? Are we fucking <laughs> baking it or are we fucking putting it in the pan? <laughs> Richard Ramirez put it in the pan. You know what I mean? And the fucking the marine in Iraq's gonna fucking bake it. But either way, the person's going to end up a bloody mess on the floor. So there's many different ways. That's why there's no reason someone can't rap murder artistically the same way that horror movies can be original. So anything in horror shouldn't be whack. It shouldn't be simple because, you know, but, but that's when writing comes into play. The reason why we love a Halloween or a Freddy or fucking a Hellraiser is the writing. The people, you know, the great fucking authors – and directors and screenplay guys wrote great fucking characters. They, you know, they created. That's what I love about horror. You know what I mean? Uh, horror reflects real life, but horror is also some of it is fiction. You know what I mean? And and and, and it's it's you know, Hellraiser is fiction, right? I mean, right. it's not real, but it's it's amazing fiction. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. And and some of your fucking album covers, man, I got to mention this. There's some fucking badass artwork that you got going on on all these albums, man. Like, where where the fuck do you get this guy? Like, <laughs> like who does this shit? Well, I don't use the same exact guy. You know right. I, mean? I basically, like, Notorious Gorius is done by, you know, a guy in Slovakia where all the singles was done by a dude in Berlin. And, you know, and then a couple of... Uh, other singles were done by a guy in South Africa. So wow. literally Slovakia, Berlin and South Africa did my artwork on, you know, on the new album, you know, and I don't really go re- 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 uh, releasing the name sure, for one yeah. reason, because then people will just bite my shit. I look right. at it like this, like the way I dig up samples, I dig up artists to draw right. my shit. I have to search and find people. And then I have to tell them my vision. Like if you looked at like most of the present work of, of the guy that did, notorious gorious it wasn't really as dope not that it wasn't as dope it's, it was different it is right. dope but th- that, like when i say not as dope because i love what he did for me is, is probably his best work a lot of times i get artists to do their best work when they do it for me because i have a standard so if they if they present something to me that isn't like a pinnacle standard i'm right. not going to just take it i'm going to tell them no you need to go back and i just think a lot of times when these guys finally get you know commissioned by necro and then they look at the previous art of mine and and the way that I talk and the way I describe what I want. They end up giving me monumental shit. I end up getting out of that artist probably one of their craziest works that they'll ever do. So like when I did Prefix for Death and I hired Ed Repka. Love did that art. You're right. And if you notice that, that's 2004. Uh, so the Ed Repka's best covers were, were in 86 when he did Possessed, P-Cells, Leprosy, right. uh, uh Megadeth, uh, you know, th- those were like his best ones. And then the ones after that in, in the 90s were not as good as the one in the 80s. And then I got him in 2004, and I was like, yo, I gave him the idea. I was like, this is my album idea. I want to see a skull holding a needle. And then he kind of just brought it to life, you know? Obviously, he, he it was his idea to make the needle filled with demons. But I gave this guy some inspiration. What probably happened is all those years, people were like, oh, just give us something metal. Nobody, you know, and I bet when Pete, when, when, when Dave Mustaine dealt with him for P-Cells, Dave Mustaine probably was like, yo, I want, I need, you know, I need the skull guy. I need fucking, 
you know, Rattlehead, Vic Rattlehead. I need him like this with nuclear war, you know, in, in front of the United Nations. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was fucking his idea. I think that's when Ed Repka is the best, when somebody gives him the idea. You know what I mean? And then he brings it to life. That's usually with most artists. Right. But occasionally I come across an artist that, you know, I just tell them, you know, I want something, you know, with this kind of vibe. And then they'll give it to me. And But bottom line, I only, you know, here's the thing. For prefix for death, I had like three to four different covers done wow. before I settled on prefix. That I, I wanted that album to be viewed so monumental that I most people won't do that. Most people would have would have released the Chaz Ballin cover, who's actually rest in peace as a horror guy. And here's the thing: the Chaz Ballin cover that I had done for prefix for death was just not even on the level, bro, of pre to prefix. Like you would, we would rate that C, where prefix <laughs> is eight. I'm not dissing. I'm just being honest. A yeah. plus. And then I had Paul Galassi do a cover for Marvel, and his you would probably say would be like a B minus. It was cool, but it wasn't like monumental. And then so that's the difference between me and a lot of people. You see, I'll keep working on the song another month or two. You know, then some people release it today. I don't know what needs to be worked on. I'll release it, but I'll I'll put the work into it before I release it to make it right. There's some people who never release their shit, so nobody knows who they are in the first place. You have to release shit eventually, but you definitely don't want to release it when it sucks. So there's that line where you have to, uh, you know, put enough work in the shit to make it fresh, but you have to also release what you're putting out. So, right. you know what I mean? So, you know, like... Yeah, so, you know, with, with Notorious Goriest, I lucked out on that where, you know, like, the first cover I had made, the guy just delivered fucking gold. I was just like, this is insane. Yeah. It's definitely probably the best work he's ever done. It looks you know? sick, man. I like it, dude. All uh, right. One thing I want to ask you that uh, before you go, when are you going on tour? When are, and where are you going so everybody knows so they can go out <laughs> to your shows? Well, I got a show in Brooklyn on this Friday at Kingsland and that's the only show I have currently booked at the moment. Okay. So, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if this will be up there by then, but you know, probably by the time you get it going up, it won't, probably but that's not, fine. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but you, where people should go is go to Spotify and follow me on Spotify on the Necro and then, you know, stream my music, uh, go to my, uh, Necro rules, Instagram account. And, um, you know, check out Necro Video on YouTube, which is my account. And feel free to follow me on Facebook. Facebook kind of sucks now, so I'm not really sweating that as much. But, uh, you know, you, you can follow me on Necro Official page on Facebook as well. I prefer probably at this point that people just go to Instagram, Necro Rules. You can find me easily there. And then, you know, follow me on Spotify. You know, if you don't like Spotify, then go to Apple Music or whatever. And, um, you know, and then if you're all about YouTube, you can find me on Necro Video. And that's really where, you know, as long as people fuck with all that, they're in my matrix. You know what I mean? And they're checking me out. So that's really my concern. Well, thank you, man. I really fucking appreciate it. It was great talking to you. I wish you the best of luck with this album, man. And I can't wait to hear more. So thank you. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Have a good one. Peace. All right, guys, so we're back. I want to give a big shout-out to fucking Necro for fucking uh, planning that with me and uh, working with me to do the interview. So thanks for coming on, man. Now we're going to go ahead and jump into our flesh and potatoes of a review for The Burning Moon by Olaf Ittenbach right fucking now. 
right, guys. So now we're going to kick it off with the Burning Moon review. Uh, this is the first time I've seen it. It's the first time you've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was drinking some tequila right there. Oh, there but you yes. go. Yes. Let, let Daddy have... You want some, you want some let juice? Let Daddy have... Ooh. Give Daddy... <laughs> daddy needs <laughs> juice. All right, so cheers. Cheers, my friend. Here we go. Now we complete this. Got that little illegal flask that you carry around with you. There you go. Yeah, uh, my friend Caitlin actually got me this from Ireland. Nice. I... That's why we put, you know, Mexican liquor in it. Right. <laughs> uh... So, I'll kick it off here for us and do the majority of the uh, the the stuff we always do in the beginning. Now, keep in mind, guys, a lot of these names are in German. I'm not the best German-speaking individual because it's not my second language. So, go fucking easy on me, you fucking dildos. Like, yeah. we're gonna, <laughs> don't, in my shyster. If I say it wrong, just deal with it. Uh, um, but here we go. So, The Burning Moon centers on two bedtime stories that a delinquent brother reads his sister these disturbingly morbid stories that focus on serial killing blind date and a murderous psychotic priest well not only delinquent but a heroin addict we'll get we'll, we'll get there this is just the synopsis just the quick synopsis don't spoil it just yet um the burning moon was directed by none other than olaf Eatenbach. He has done many other films, including, and not just directing, by the way. He's also done special effects, uh, the practical effects, makeup and shit that he's done. He's done writing. He's acted in. He's produced. He's pretty much the all-around guy to make the movies that he wants for the most part. But he's also done other films for other people as, like, pyrotechnicians, special effects, stunts, shit like that. So uh, some of the movies that he has done that are in his catalog... He's done Black Past, one of my favorites, Premutos, which has got some of the most ridiculous fucking backing track, like like the fucking dubs. The dubs yeah. Oh my god, dude. Like, We're, they're banging on the door trying to get into this guy's house in, in Premutos, and they're like, hey, yeah, let me in, uh-huh, don't do it, open your door. Like, <laughs> it's really bad, but it's so fun. It makes the movie that much fucking more enjoyable. It, it's funny that you bring up dubs, though, this really quick. Wait, this what? Bring up what? You were bringing up dubs about how it being a bad dub, oh, that yeah. movie. This movie definitely deserves a Mystery Science Theater episode. What? You had dubs on yours? No, I'm just saying, how great would this movie be oh my with God. that kind of dubbing done to it? Yeah, I don't know, because <laughs> they'd have to read it while they're doing it. Well, you could just no, you could just dub over everything, is what I'm saying. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, okay. Like, not have the actual audio track running at all. Um, now you got me off track. Oh, I'm sorry. This is what I do. <laughs> see, this is why you gotta get rid of me. You fucking goddammit, Patrick. Uh, he is also um, directed... Legion of the Dead, Evil Rising, Garden of Love, No Reason, Legend of Hell, Five Seasons, and many, many more. Uh, he's a practical effects guy. He is probably would probably consider himself more a practical effects person than anything because he's the type of person that would build a movie around the practical effects uh, because he's so into them and they are the most important part to him. And we'll get into that. Now, the story was actually written by him as well. Uh, it stars quite a cast of people that I don't have been in a lot of his movies. <laughs> uh, I, I, I get the drift that he pretty much just grabbed 
anybody that would fucking do it. Right. Because it, he even mentions like how hard it is to find older actors willing to do the shit that he, you know, because of the subject matter or the or the fucking, you know, blood and everything like that. So I'll just name off a few. Uh, Olaf Edenbach does play um, one of the characters in this movie. Um, he plays Peter, who is the stepbrother, and he also plays some creature in this hell part. Oh, uh, it, yeah. Yeah, we'll yep, get yep, to yep, that. Yep, yep, and we yep. don't want to spoil anything yet. Uh, also, it stars Bite Neumeyer, who plays Julia. It also stars Bernd Mugenthaler, who plays Cliff Parker. Uh, it also has Ellen Fisher, who plays Laura, Linda Sanders, Alphonse Geltner, who plays Vader, and many more that I'm not going to go over. Sorry, guys. Uh, that's just too much on that one <laughs> and a lot of them haven't done a lot either i'm not trying to make fun of this movie i'm just saying fuck that i'm not gonna go through all of that it's the deutsch you guys aren't gonna know who the fuck they are anyway so <laughs> i'm not even gonna get upset about it um but so patrick what did you think of this film at first i i didn't know what to think you told me it was gonna we were, you were having necro on we were gonna be doing some gortastic film fuck watching yeah and so, you know, that's not my favorite genre of horror movies. What, I've, just gore? I'm not a big... I, I, I like stuff that's led to your imagination. Because my brain's going to think of something so more fucked up than you're going to show me on the screen. That's You know, that's that's what people say who don't want to... Who are scared of gore, Patrick. You know what? <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> but... That that you know how I feel about that. But I anyway, so I I was buckling in. But you that's know, not was, true because you liked Dead Alive, fucking Peter Jackson's. Brain yeah, but that dead was alive. done in such a way where it wasn't believable. It was more what this was. This wasn't believable. At okay, all. thank you. All right, but it was almost in the same vein as what I'm saying. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Continue on. I actually quite enjoyed it after I sat down and watched it. It was it was funny. It was. It, I'm sure it wasn't meant to be funny. <laughs> it was just one of those movies. It's so bad. It's good. Okay. Uh, I'm surprised by this. I thought you were going to hate it. No, no. Actually, it's one of those movies that I'd watch it again just for a couple of key scenes that just made me fucking bust up laughing. Okay. But uh, overall, it's good, especially that it was like, you know, guerrilla-style filmmaking. Right. For what they did, they got a lot of good shots in there, a lot of interesting story plots, and... Yeah, they really pushed it. They did, and they pushed it to the fucking limit. Yeah. It's not It's not one of the most offensive movies I've ever seen. For no. A, for a movie that was banned in so many different countries. Right. It seems like they just had it out for them almost. You know, like, I don't know. I'm one of the people that is like, I don't give a fuck if it's fake. It doesn't fucking matter. It's not right. real. You're not... You know what I mean? It's if you're, uh, yeah. I know you say that, but you'll never get me to watch fucking Serbian film oh, ever. You're in missing your life, out, man. Dude. It's really well shot. It's not. It's not like an achievement in in fucking cinema. Although I guess some people could probably argue that because right. you know they really did offend people, and you know, film is not always supposed to. It's supposed to put you into per, into uh, situations to make you feel something, to derive some sort of an emotion, and if you are offended or you are like, oh my God, what am I watching? I feel like it's done its job, well, right? Right. Well, and it's art. It's all subjective. I guess. So, you know, yeah. If you uh, like it, give it us. <laughs> but well, this one I did like, and I did enjoy watching it, and I probably will watch what it. What do you think of the gore and stuff? Like, it was, I mean, it, it was hilarious. I mean, there was some good stuff, but it, for the most part, it was all pretty noticeable that it was fake. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 There's there's a there's a cheese layer of cheese. There's a, like a superior cheese of special effects. Right. But some but of some the, of it was really right. fucking legit. Like like some of the brute force. Like when he punches that girl. Uh, in the, I, I, don't spoil anything yet. Just some some of it was just kind of brutal, and okay. then, and they shot it in the way that it just looked brutal. Okay. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I do. Um, on there, I have a lot, actually. I always go into these movies because I feel like these movies never get the time of day. And I feel like a lot of people just gloss over them and go, oh, that's just some stupid guy and doing some stupid thing. Right. You know what I mean? But to me, it's like somebody had a dream and they wanted to make something. So I want to take a little bit of time. So without doing any research. So before I did any research on what happened, watched the making of and all this other shit. Um, and these were just my initial thoughts. It's essentially a anthology of two short stories and one of them to tie them both together. Cause most anthologies have this running thing in between all the short stories. Well, the narration. Yeah. It gives it some sort of cohesion, some kind of driving force. Right. So, you know, it feels pretty much like a, a special effects portfolio reel more than a movie to me. Yeah. Although it does have some storyline, but it's mostly just felt like it was sort of an excuse to show off the gore and defend people. You know, just have a good gory time. Right. Um, most of it's pretty about laughable stuff with a few minor exceptions. Uh, I think the, the subject matter or situations is kind of what offended people most. Mm. Like the, the situations that they put them in, like it was kind of blasphemous and like you know stuff in it that would offend a typical movie watcher you know what i mean um although i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt that the gore did some of that work too because oh, yeah. you know it's it's not exactly like kids stuff here um but it does desensitize you over a period of time you like you're just like oh whatever well when you and if you think about what the kind of technology they probably had on hand back then they didn't have green screens and all this easy way i appreciated that they did practical effects period. i do too yeah. that's what i'm saying like they didn't have shortcuts they right. had to like put some elbow grease into this movie i think one of the more glaring problems with this film and trust me i know this is kind of ridiculous to say considering the caliber of the film that we're watching <laughs> uh, but is that you never really feel bad for the characters for dying it's just kind of like fodder for the olaf machine <laughs> that's why that's why i called the horror shot the olaf machine right because of that that's what i thought of uh which is pretty much what the film really wants you to do anyway but you know i just kind of wanted to point it out that you know, in, in typical horror films, uh, you you see, like, they have a lot of character development so that when they die, we talked about this in the last episode, when we were making the movie up on the spot yeah. for, for the attic door or whatever, right. that you kind of have to get to know the character a little bit so that their death has some sort of impact on your viewing experience. So, uh, but... You have to appreciate this kind of guerrilla filmmaking style. It's pretty much a, a movie that's almost shot on like just a regular VHS recorder, right? You know, like like <clears throat> back in the day in 1992. So, um, and because you know they were pushing the boundaries in Germany to make things that were not accepted, right? You know, um, and I've said this before when we did the violent shit series. Um, you know, that basically when World War II ended, they weren't too fond of people trying to be exploitative about anything because they thought that that led people to be 
back into that fucking Nazi fucking right. shit or something. I mean, I don't know. I haven't lived in Germany, but I know that they were not really happy about these kind of exploitative films. So they began this whole underground of filmmaking that was a guerrilla style to make the most glorious fucked up shit because they couldn't watch it. Everything that, that came into the country was censored or blocked or, you know, the BB or like Britain was like blocking it and putting it under the video nasties. So they never got to see it. So they went out and created it. So it's essentially what happens when a regular guy sets out to make whatever he can make on his own, which in some way kind of like tickles my childhood right. and my nostalgic, morbid it's nostalgia. Endearing. It is because, you know, when, you, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, I want to see this. Wouldn't that be cool? And you know, right. There's nothing malicious about it. You're just like, I would just like to see that shit. Um, but other than that, it does have some pretty original ideas, though. It, it doesn't really care what the fuck you think about it. If, if there was a technical scene that wouldn't have been like visually appealing uh or perfect they would just go for it anyway and they just didn't give a fuck you know they would just do it because they said fuck it let's just fucking do it and as long as it's done then they keep going they didn't give a fuck it was just the point of just getting to the next part but if i i would have to say that if you want to watch an olaf ittenbach film this one's probably the least tongue-in-cheek it is probably more straight-laced version. I haven't seen all of his films, to be fair, but of his earlier films, uh, Black Past, Premutos, those are kind of tongue-in-cheek silly movies in a way, um, while this one is a little bit more trying to deal with like regular people doing weird, fucked-up things and not some sort of like kind of supernatural, but not really. Right. So, but... I would say you definitely should check out Premutos. Uh, I, to me, it's it, it's a little bit better uh, than this movie, although he did a lot in this movie story-wise, I think, than that movie did. Because you do get lost in his movies, by the way. Like, like you're just like, wait, what what's happening? Like, I don't really understand. Why why did that happen? Like, right. But well, you get, sometimes the subtitles are bad, too. It's like, they cut out so quick, you're like, fuck. Oh, was it really? It did it to me a couple times where I had to fucking rewatch something. But in that sense, I did pick up things that I missed before. Okay. Well, I think it's, I'm definitely, I think this is a welcomed addition to my collection of fucked up movies and, and uh, masterpieces. <laughs> uh, if this is, um, you know, underground masterpiece to some. I won't judge them by any means because I think it's a, I think it's it's admirable to see somebody go out and do their own thing, right. and this is somebody that just went out there and did it, and uh, I appreciate it for that. You know, it's ridiculous. It's not your typical horror film, right? And for those of you who are considering watching this, just know going in, this was made on some dude making it on a VHS. Even though he had a huge group of people working alongside of him, all the like equipment and everything that you would do in like a regular movie, it still feels like that shot. Like like a kid went out and fucking shot it. It's not that it's not you know technically well done or anything there's just some weird shit that you can tell that it was just cobbled together right but there is definitely some thought behind his filmmaking fuck yeah i definitely agree because most films when you see something happen like you go see someone get murdered they kill them and that's it no 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 not olaf Ittenbach. <laughs> he will take it a step further and you'll be like wait what and then it'll keep going and then you're like what the fuck like, but it's still cool. So, I don't know, but that's pretty much all I have to say about my general thoughts without spoiling it. Yeah. So, yeah I think you did well. If you've seen violent shit 
and you are okay with watching movies like violent shit that are just kind of made on a very shoestring budget, then I think that you can appreciate this for something. Um, I admire it. And even if it's not my favorite film ever, I still admire it. Right. So, um, I totally concur. Yes. I'll do well. But there is some trivia on this. Just little stuff. Nothing like really out there. Did you do some trivia at all? I didn't or? do any factoids. Okay. I did not. No worries. But Olaf Idenbach did all the stunts in the film because he didn't have enough money to, of course, pay for it. And he kind of further goes on to talk about that in the making of. But he said that, he said, let's put it this way. We were lucky as in nothing got, no one got hurt. Because <laughs> they were doing jumping through real glass. And oh, like, that, that I, was real glass? I'm pretty sure. I don't know 100%, but they set people on fire and, you know, he did the stunts. So he said, but, you know, it could have been bad, but it we came out okay and no one got hurt. So, you know, that I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, that's real, like, I got to get it done shit. They did a lot of beer drinking and had a lot of laughs while making this film. Um, in a lot of the making of, you kind of often saw somebody carrying a beer, especially Olaf and uh, some of the actors. There's like a scene where one of the actors is like, we're done, right? And he's like, no, 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 no. We still have to do this, 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 and this. And he was like, ah, oh, fuck. Can you give me a beer? You know, <laughs> in German. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. It was a very laid back environment. The... Uh, I mentioned this before that when Olaf Edenbach did this movie, he really wanted to have real people and tell the story of real stuff instead of just the supernatural thing, which, you know, like Prometheus was like all over the fucking place. But he really wanted to kind of test his skills on like his version of a mainstream sort of thing with his own style in it. Um so, but yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's still a stretch, but, but if you compare it to some of the, the other previous films, you can definitely see what I'm talking about. Right, there's a little bit more structure. Right, like it's, it's yeah, it's a little more straight-laced, and not in the Olaf Eatenbach way, so. <laughs> um, he also made all the blood, dummies, gore, and all the props for this movie, and uh, he also acted in it. They were talking about how they had to fill a lot of shoes because they were always available where other actors weren't. Mm. So, but he did a lot. Uh, he did all the special effects, the practical effects, and uh, he was directing and producing and doing everything all at once. So you can imagine like how crazy that would have been on scene. And he seemed right. to be pretty jovial about it. So um, the priest in the film was also one of the people that was always on set. So he filled one of the bigger shoes as one of the roles of one of the bigger characters in the movie as in one of the stories called The Purity. Uh, I think it was called The Purity. It was The Purity, yep. Yeah. They did say that they shot a lot of the outdoor scenes without a permit, and they talked about the scene with the guy who gets hit by the car. Oh, yeah. And it ripping off the car door, <laughs> and that apparently that it was just on, like, some regular street, <laughs> and, like, it was really loud, and they were like, yeah, we're really fortunate that we didn't get any trouble. Did you notice, though, like, when he gets in the car, the car door is actually still on the fucking car? Well, no, because he get in a different car. Did he get he, in a different car? He drove into that car from a white car into the green car, and then when he gets out of the white car after oh, he hitting the, the guy, red, yeah. he gets into the red car and just starts it up and drives off. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they didn't use any permits. True guerrilla style. Legends. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> But that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a few other things that were kind of like, you know, like they talked about some of how the scenes were done. And I'll talk about that when we go through our favorite scenes and 
Now, guys, before we get into this, this is where we're going to spoil shit. So if you haven't seen it, it probably doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) But for those of you that don't want to go in pure, uh, that'll play into a part later. (laughs) But those of you that want to go in pure, just uh, you got your warning. Is there anything off the top of your head in the very beginning that caught you off guard, like, or maybe caught your attention that you were like, kind of thought was stupid or funny? Yeah, actually, there was, dude. Um, the beginning of the movie, and this is still the point where I'm just like, I don't know what I'm getting into. I don't <laughs> fucking. Yeah, because let me preface this because I told him uh, through chat or whatever we were texting, and I was like, yeah, this is not going to be a movie. Oh no, wait, I told you on the thing. I was like, this is not going to be a movie. Kelly's going to want to watch, right? And I was like, I don't know what to expect, but I've I've heard like a lot of fucked up things, so. Go ahead. Yeah, so like I'm, I'm getting ready to watch this movie, and the, the opening scene, you know, guy's at a job interview. He's doing drugs. He's rolling a joint. He's a king. <laughs> like you can no, really roll a joint. Can we <laughs> talk about the job interview, by the way? Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. That's that, this isn't one of the scenes that made me laugh, but yeah, yeah. Like so, so Olaf Inbox's character, Derek, I guess it is his name. Right. It's pretty easy to forget anybody's name in here because you're reading it. Right. But okay, so like he's in this job interview. So this Derek kid. And he's like, yeah, my mom told me I had to get a job, so I'm just trying to get her off my back or something like that. Yeah. His, his buddy and him drive, his punk buddy, drive to the fucking job. And then he goes in after drinking beer and just like, whatever. He goes in and he's like, yeah, so I need a job or whatever. He's like, well, that's okay. It says here that you have uh, not good grades or something like that. And he's like, yeah, but you know. You know, I've always said that it doesn't mean just because you have bad grades doesn't mean you can't do the job. And he's like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy's like uh, talking to him some more. And he was like, he's like, oh, yeah, you can't roll a cigarette. You can't. He was trying to roll a joint. Right. And he's like, he can't smoke in here. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally like, like a bag of weed. This guy's such a pushover. If anybody came in my office, you know, pulling that shit, I'd be like, you're not serious. And he was sniffing a lot, too. Like he was on a bunch of cocaine as right. well. Yeah. Oh, my God. So then like. The guy's like the guy he's who's interviewing the fucking Derek kid is all like, well, I just don't think you're very sincere about uh, the job, and uh, so we're I'm just gonna have to say no, thank you. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. He's like, that's cool, whatever, fuck you. Or he's like, kiss my ass. Right, right, right. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? But uh, the scene that that, that that really made me bust up, dude, and I just I couldn't help it was when they had that big gang fight. Right. Like, what the fuck was that all about? It reminded me of the Beat It video. I was waiting for these guys to strap their arms together, pull out switchblades, and start going at it. <laughs> or like the fucking Weird Al Yankovic one. Right, eat it. Ding dong. Ding dong, yo. Ding dong. <laughs> it was funny. It was This is so stupid. But, you know, I love Michael Jackson. Where the other gang members talking to the shit to the guys walking up. It's like, would you just crawl out of the sewers? Something yeah. like that. And the opposing gang in the beat it video do crawl out of the sewers. Yeah. <laughs> so a weird connection there, but it, yeah. So maybe that was why they what they thought about when they made that. It, it very well could be, dude, because it, it looked like that scene. That's, a, that that's video. a good thing that you brought up there. Hey, I mean, that's what I thought of, too. Definitely. I mean, it was definitely because you see it or the fucking West Side story. Like, right. what the fuck? 
Like we're the, the sharks, baby. The sharks and the jets. <laughs> and guys, the only reason I really know that is I think my father was a fan of it, like when I was younger. Well, and they I, also made us watch it in school. Yeah, I was gonna say they made me watch it in fucking school. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. So that that ridiculous fucking gang fight for no reason. Yeah. And nobody looks like they're in a real gang. No. Like they look like just regular guys, like hanging out, like going to play some video games or some shit. You know what I mean? And it's time to fucking throw down. And they're fucking. <laughs> Like, you know, <laughs> what are they going to thumb wrestle? Like, I, right. I, it's what I did not get that. That's but. what kind of turned me off. at the. I was like, all right, we're, we're just going to barrel through this. It now. didn't really feel necessary. Like, honestly, no. like, I'm like, can we just get to the gore? Right. Like, that's what I was thinking. Well, honestly, I didn't know where the movie was going. You know what I mean? Right. Like, what the fuck is this? Well, I didn't know it was an anthology. Either did I until he started reading the story. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, this is what it is. I'm right. like, is there going to be more? There's like three. I was like, we're already 20 minutes into this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we've taken forever. And this punk kid goes home. He's like beating up his mom. Yeah. And like, like talking shit to his dad. And his dad like fucking beats him up. And like, because dude, I'm sorry if I was that kid's dad, he would have got worse ass kicked. Right? That, you know what I'm dude. saying? Like, and I, I, you know, I'd be doing things that SJWs would be all freaking out about. <laughs> Ew! I don't mean sex. Jesus fucking Christ, man! What do you think? I, you think I don't I, know I, what you were thinking. Yeah, yeah it's right. <laughs> you don't want to be in there. Fuck! No, I don't want to be in there. Just a little bit. Just all a right. Tip. Let's get off that shit. Uh, all right. Get one, I want you on this shit, dog. <laughs> Jeez. All right, onwards. Okay, so what is the next thing? Okay, so essentially his dad beats him up because like he's supposed to watch the kid, his kid sister. Right. And she's like this perfectly well put together little kid that does everything right, brushes her teeth, does her homework, all this other shit. She's a perfect fucking angel. While the big brother's just a dickhead. It's the typical fucking, you know, big brother's like forgotten because now he's bad because he doesn't get attention from mom and dad or something. Right. I don't know. But so he tells her like when the parents leave, he's like he goes and shoots up fucking some weird drug. What was he shooting up? It looked like heroin. No, it did not look like heroin. You know what it looked like? He looked like he was pouring out uh, fucking what's that fucking stomach shit that you take? Oh, Pepto. No, not Pepto. The 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 the, the blue one. Oh, uh, uh, it's like Pepto. Mylanta. I don't know. Yeah, it's like something like that. And then he puts it in a spoon, heats it up, starts shooting it up. And then he goes outside and sees the moon above the trees. And it's like on fire and the lights like go up on his face. And all of a sudden he's like sitting down and then he's like, hey, I'm going to tell you a story to his little sister while she was sleeping. Right. (laughs) Trying to sleep or whatever. And I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, and this is like. 20, 20, 30 minutes in, I think? Yeah, it's about the 30-minute mark, yeah. Was it? Okay, because I, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is taking forever, man. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he starts to tell her this story. He's like, oh, it's uh, I'm going to tell you a bedtime story, um, you know, because this is the worst job ever, being a babysitter, apparently. <laughs> but he's like, it's called Julia's Love. And so... Which the story shifts to uh, a mental patient who's escaped a mental hospital after killing a, a a couple of people, I think, and then he decides to go on a date. Right. <laughs> like, like I, I, I don't know how it jumped to that right yeah, away. He goes to a killing spree, and then they don't want you to know that he's the killer, I guess. So they're like on this date, and then you find out that after he's killed some people, 
that she's like on this perfect date with this guy and he's so normal and just wants to treat her nice and next thing you know she's in the car listening to the radio and it's like license plate this car what he looks like exactly and she's like oh my god i gotta get out of here she flags down a car in the middle of the street and just gets in right 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 (laughs) oh my god dude and i did she was so nonchalant when she went home i'm like are you fucking kidding me right like and then you find out she forgot her fucking goddamn purse or whatever she left left her wallet or whatever and he has it and so he's obviously coming to kill her and he's all pissed off because he went to go get cigarettes and she left in the middle of him fucking you know she's he's pissed right like because he treated her nice when he was (laughs) killing everybody so surely she deserves it you know what i mean because he's a fucking murderer so, um, but you know, because you, you just got out, you want to get laid, you want right. to fall in love. <laughs> it's time to start you, a you life. Wanna, you want to go to dinner, and then he even suggests taking it slow. Right, I, I didn't get that scene. And then he's like... Take it slow? You don't even know the meaning of it. You just fucking murdered like seven right. people on the way to this date. <laughs> and then when they get to the car, they get all hot and heavy again. It's like, I it's, thought you were going to take it slow. What well, the? no, and he definitely did. He was like, well, maybe we should take it slow. Right. You know, get to know each other better. And then he's in a, he's like, look, you know, you don't have to come back to my place, but I might as well drive you home because mm. I'm a gentleman. And that's when she slips out, gets in another car. But I just thought that was funny because I'm like, take it slow. You just fucking murdered seven fucking people. <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Hey, but, I'm not a heathen, okay? Yeah. Well, you find out later on why that is. But right. It takes a while. Like, there's some deaths up until that point, but it doesn't really get gory. Except for that one dude getting hit by the car before he goes on the date. Right, and even that was still kind of... Well, you see him go under the car and it drags the body. <laughs> it's just like this big splat on the ground, which was kind of... fucked up for laughing kinda, at this. Yeah, Not at all, dude. <laughs> Fuck that shit. This, that's what this is made for, is to enjoy, dude. <laughs> I'm probably enjoying it more than most people. have. You, they haven't even given this movie a chance. So, right. You guys, if you, if you want to have a laugh, it's... Definitely. Yeah, not. have a couple beers with your friends. Turn this shit on. Get high as fuck. <laughs> that's what I did. That, that's what I told you too. I was yeah. like, I was like, Patrick, you need to get really fucking high for this. Like really high. I did. <laughs> um, but so anyway, so they she goes back to her house, and like you said, she's just acting fucking normal. Yeah, she goes upstairs, turns the TV on, doesn't tell her mom, doesn't tell her anybody. Yeah, that the murderer is like, she just went on a date with the murderer that's on the news. Yeah. Like, and it's even on the TV when she gets home, isn't it? Like, yeah, it is. Like, the mom and dad are there, or the mom. Yeah, the mom and the dad, which are like really old for some odd reason. Yeah, it, well, like, one's like middle age and one's really old. Yeah, like 80 years old right. or some shit. <laughs> I'm like, damn, dad likes some old, man. He likes that man. granny porn. She liked that granny panty. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so like, he comes, the murderer, I can't think of his name. You forget about the scene just beforehand where he picks up the prostitute, which is one of my favorite scenes. Oh, yeah, she gets in the car and he just stabs her, right? She's like, what did he say? What did she fucking say? How do you like it? Or something like that. Or And he's like, like this, and he fucking stabs her. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah! Yeah, just like no nuance, no... Like, right. Yeah, just... Just get to the murder. Right. Straight um, to the knife. Yeah. And then it just like goes on and he has her in the car and he drives off with her. Right. Yeah. I remember the guy behind him oh. at the light and he's like, fucking move it. And he like, cuts her head off. Uh, and throws it in the dude's car. <laughs> which happens to be a cop you find out later. Yeah. 
which is kind of ridiculous, but yeah. hey, Oslo. <laughs> hey, asshole. <laughs> no, he says, he says Oslo. That's how you say asshole in German. It, it, but Oslo. It, but the way it sounded in the movie made it sound like he was like an Australian guy. Hey, asshole. Hey, asshole. I guess. <laughs> but <clears throat> so anyway, yeah, like he does cut the girl's head off in the car, right? Right. And then he admires it, and then he gets honked at because he's sitting there admiring it at a green light. And then the guy's like, "Hey, you've been sitting at the light for ten seconds now, honk honk." And then guy he gets mad, and he un- undoes the sunroof and chucks it on him and speeds away laughing. Right. Like, uh, uh, but then he gets to her house, and while she's getting ready in the room for whatever reason, her entire family gets murdered. She has a dad, a mom, and a sister, and they all have conversations, you know, just so you know them before they die. Right. But none of the conversations mean anything. Or make, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But those killings, dude, like, this guy, like, when I first saw the first two killings in the house, I was like, this guy really doesn't want you to eat anything, dude. Reach for the butter, I'll cut your fucking fingers right, off. Huh, you yeah. reach for them peanuts, dude, that's it, that arm's going. <laughs> it's gotta go. Well, I think it's, he was trying to catch people in the most susceptible moment. Yeah. You know, like, because, yeah, you're right, though. Like, she goes, she, she sees the guy in the house, the mom does. She puts, she, like, backs up. She's like, oh, my God, and puts her hand on the butter, and he chops her fingers off on the butter. <laughs> Like I don't even know why that was necessary. Like I don't like he's like maybe if we had gourd of food, it'll be more. It was good. It was just a nice uh, buttery touch, right? I think the dad. It was probably one of the best kills in the movie. You think? Uh, One of the best. I mean, the best is towards the end for sure. Hey asshole. Yeah. No, 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 not that one. Not that. I'm talking about the end of the whole movie. Okay, I'm thinking about the end of that story. We'll get to that part. Um, so, so why don't you explain what happens to the dad? To the dad? Yeah, like if you so, like that part. So he's, he's just watching TV and he's like, oh, the same shit that's on all the time. And it's like some fucking graphic horror movie. It's right. like, this is on all the time? Okay. <laughs> I guess. But uh, he reaches over to grab some peanuts and of course he gets his fucking arm chopped off. Right, yeah, it's like right in his forearm. Right, right at the elbow, I think. No, it was like right just below. It was like right in between his wrist and his elbow. Okay. So, yeah, he gets his arm cut off, and then he's screaming in agony, and then the dude runs the friggin' machete, I think it was, yeah. right through the side of his mouth. And, and he dies. <laughs> and he dies, yeah. You wouldn't die like that. Well, he gets his head cut off, too, but they don't show that for some reason. Oh, they didn't, did they? Yeah, they just show it laying on his body later. Right. she comes down. Like it's on the couch or something. Right. Mm. Then the next kill, which is pretty good to mention, is like the sister's been in the bathroom literally for like 20 minutes, like getting ready and all this other stuff. And it's very apparent to me that she's not done shit the entire time except move around the room. Because they, <laughs> they her sister and the other sister had the one that, that went on the date with him and then her sister had this conversation in the same room. And he goes in there and just starts stabbing the shit out of her sister, like, over and over and over again. And, like, I I don't know, like, 10 times, I guess, or maybe 15 times. And then when you think he's done. Right. It's, like, I think another two times on top of that. Right. And this is all happening while the the sister that went on the date with him, uh, Julia, is, like, still in her room, like, 10 feet away. (laughs) Watching TV, of course. Yeah, like, getting ready. She was like, well, I think I should tell them. That's what she says. (laughs) 
I think maybe I should tell him. A little too late. Right. Mind you. Like, you just fucking killed your whole family. You could have been to fucking Mexico by now. <laughs> uh, in a plane. Because it's been hours since, like, you know, like, what the fuck? You killed your family. I mean, Julia, you're at fault now. Right. Literally whittling down your bloodline. I, I like how she said that, too. She's like, well... I'm going to go tell them. I'm gonna, I should tell them. You know, like, <laughs> I think now's the time. You know, and then she goes out and sees all of her family dismembered, which he takes her mom's head and chucks it at her. Didn't it hit her in the face or something like that? Or hit her in the stomach or something? Right, and he was like, Julia, Julia, you've got bad friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but in German. Well, oh, and, and this uh, before that, actually, I'm going to mention. Go back to the sister getting killed. It's like the sister gets stabbed to death, and then when Julia discovers her sister's body after being chased around the house, this she, is after the mom scene where right, she runs upstairs. She goes in and sees her sister on fire in the bathtub. In the bathtub. <laughs> why is she on fire? Yeah. Why? <laughs> why is she on fire? But it's like that's the Olaf machine, man. It doesn't. Yeah. It just chews people. There's up. no rhyme or reason. Yeah. And then he's like, "Well, I had fun playing with your sister. Do you like what I did with her? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, her face is on fire for no reason. Oh my god! Like, what did he get to make? Uh, it doesn't even make any sense. Doesn't right. Mean to, anyway, I will say that is my favorite scene in the home. Well, his one name's of my Patrick, f- isn't it? Patrick Parker. Something like that, I believe, yeah. yeah. But the whole scene where he's like, she's talking to her through the glass door, the, which is, she runs into a shower with a fucking glass door, yeah, and then he points it out, like, you stupid slut. Yeah. <laughs> he just ran behind a glass door. Yeah, he's like, you stupid slut. It's not very smart if you're going to locking yourself in a glass door. And at this point of the movie, the character, the antagonist, I can't remember his name, really reminds me of Patrick Bateman. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is, you're right. Which, if you get people on know, which you probably should. I mean, like a like yeah. a two cent Patrick Bateman. Right, yeah. he's a poor man's Patrick Bateman. Yeah, but yeah, that definitely that whole scene with the way he was treating her and talking to her right. felt very Patrick Bateman. Yeah, that's true. And then uh, he removes somehow. He just has magically has his her mom's eye and like makes her makes s- her swallow it. And they yeah. have this shot of the camera where they built this like prosthetic where it shows the eyeball going in behind the teeth, or, like, from behind the teeth the camera is, so it's, like, down her throat, and it's shooting out her mouth. And he, you see the eyeball kind of go in and then fall down this, like, tubing, <laughs> which is her throat, I guess. Yeah, right. Um, and then she kind of breaks out of his grasp and jumps through a window and falls on the ground. No. That's one of the violent parts I was telling you about. He straight up punches her in the fucking face. Oh. And it looks so real that I'm just like, that's amazing. <laughs> just like to take it that brutal. Is that when she goes out the window? Yeah. Okay. Okay. See, I didn't see that. I must have looked away for a second or something. But I just remember her jumping through the window. And then she falls. And then, of course, Patrick. His name is Patrick Parker. Yeah. Is it his real name? All right. Yeah. His hey. name is Patrick Parker. So, yeah. It's like Peter Bateman, Parker. Bateman. Patrick Bateman. <laughs> Patrick Bateman. Oh, look at that. Uh, I don't think it was around that time. But no, it might, no. the book might have been. Maybe. We had to look to see when that book came out. Yeah. The American Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what was I going to say? But he's about to kill her. He's like over top of her, and he's like, "This is what I have for you." And he's about to stab her, and then you you see uh, 
this cop stand up and he's like, hey, Oslo. And, and then he shoots him with one bullet, which causes his head to explode. All over the chick's face. Yeah, like down to the neck stump. <laughs> and it's just grew all over her mouth and neck and face. And it's just funny. It was probably the only thing that was the closest line to English in the whole fucking movie. And I swear <laughs> to God, he sounds Australian when he says it. Right. Hey, asshole. Because <laughs> I, rem- I remember because I went on tour with um, XRX. Okay. And those guys are from Germany, and they would teach me a lot of the bad words, as well as fuck with me with other words, you know? Right. So that I would say shit that they would find funny, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I would have no idea because I'm a stupid American. <laughs> anyway... Love you guys. <laughs> Those are like brothers to me. They're, once you go on tour with somebody, dude. Right. You know what I mean? For life. Yeah, it's like you've gone through so much shit together. We've been in the trenches, dog. Right, it's true, man. But then then we get treated to the next short, uh, which is called The Purity, and uh, which doesn't really waste any time whatsoever getting it right into it. There's just like some girl riding on her bike. Like they have this quick story about her riding or like talking to her family or something. And then she rides off on a bike. Oh, but you forgot something. What? What? One of the other than that, hey, asshole. The other line, dude. The one where he's talking right before she runs outside, he's romanticizing to her about how, like, you're my love and I want to be with you and I want you to have my kids. And- yeah, I want to be normal. I just want to live a normal life. And then he and, goes... Oh, we didn't even mention why he's a killer. Oh, this is very Dexter-esque. Right. He sees his his grandfather killing his mother yeah. in front of him. And he's like, no, no. And Grandpa is like hacking her up with a, a fucking, like a, a axe of some sort. And then he points the axe at the child and he's like, you're next. And he's like, no, Grandpa, no. <laughs> it's funny. Anyway, but, but but his whole spiel. Right. And then he, he's like, oh, I want to be only well, with you. Well, he's telling the girl, Julia. Right, that he loves her and, you know, you're the only one. You're going to bear my kids. And I want you to absorb. This is what is said verbatim in the subtitles. I want you to absorb my love juice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to rewind it twice sp- to make sure that's what it said. I want to spray your love raisin. <laughs> I don't know. Fucking! <laughs> I don't know what a love raisin is. I don't want to. Even... <laughs> but anytime you had sex and food, it's always immediately fucked up. <laughs> uh, it's like a grandma's like fucking man in the boat or whatever. You, you, uh, you just I call it know. a raisin at that point. It's no longer a man. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so but he tells her the spiel about the like you know. But he he just wanted to live a normal life. And he just wanted to be a normal guy. And he was going to treat her normal because he was really trying to be normal again. Because he was unfairly, his mother was killed by his her father right. in front of him. Which they didn't really explain. but <laughs> Which this scene is pretty cool too. Because when he's swinging the axe, you just see the feet kind of like yeah, but they wiggle a little bit. I was hoping they were going to show something. Like, I did too. I was like, this is supposed to be a graphic fucking movie. They're going right. to eventually show you. Why what would they not show that? He was like, I didn't have enough money for that. <laughs> <laughs> probably it was probably an afterthought and they were like well i could just sprinkle blood on his legs right uh anyway um so we get treated to the next film i'll, I'll try to rush through this a little bit because i know we've been going on and on but i feel like we're probably not going to talk about this movie ever again so i mean i will why not do it justice yeah why not do it justice so for those of you who are fans of the film you know this is for you all right motherfuckers but the next shirt is called the purity 
which the brother tells her she's like i don't she's like enough of your stories i want to go to bed you know and he's like no you're gonna hear these stories this one's called the purity <laughs> and then uh and he's all fucked up and then, well, no, he's like these stories are wonderful yeah <laughs> yeah like acting like it's normal right. like why would you be telling an eight-year-old this Anyway, because he, he's a fucked up drug addict that hates himself. Right. Um, anyway, the next short basically doesn't waste any time getting right into it. There's a girl riding on a bike, essentially. There's some, like, pre-story where she talks to somebody and then goes out the car or goes out the door and then rides her bike and then gets whacked in the face with a stick. <laughs> Or a bat. I couldn't really tell. It looks small. Right. Uh, it definitely for, looked like one of the sticks for like a piñata. Yeah, or she's something. just like riding by this bush and then this guy's like, hey, 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 and smacks her in the face with a <laughs> stick. And then it's this guy with glasses that very clearly looks like, um, what's his name? Um, Ed, Ed, uh, Ed, Ed Geens. Ed Kemper. Oh, okay. I he was looks, thinking of Ed Geens. He looks exact. Look, here, I'll show you. I'll show you a picture. He looks like Ed Kemper. Let me see this motherfucker. Let me see. Dead fucking ring right dead fucking ringer. i'm pretty sure that he probably looked up and knew about ed kemper because it looks exactly like him it really does with a mustache the the same fucking glasses and the hair and everything so he's like he like stands over her and he's talking about some weird shit about like the purity and how she's the pure light right and, and you gotta see your way out of the darkness yeah <laughs> no i know he says he's like and now you're in the darkness and you gotta find your way out oh. this is the purity and he starts raping her yeah uh, and it was like i mean it's kind of quick so it's not as bad as like some other films i've right. seen but the way they shoot it is Almost very realistic. Well, yeah, you see his fucking asshole. Right. Well, no, even just like the way she's laying on the ground afterwards with like her panties kind of like moving. Yeah, well, you saw, he it's rips just, them off and everything. Yeah, it's very it's very graphic. But still like, what the fuck? While well, he's telling her this fucked up it's, shit. It's disturbing. And then sure. he's like, now I'm going to purify you. And he shoots her in the head. <laughs> like, And then I'm like, okay, so what the fuck? The very next scene is him... As a preacher or a standing priest, in front of his congregation for her funeral, <laughs> I'm like Jesus Christ! Like there was a lot that just happened right there. Yeah, I'm like and I don't even have time to digest it because the Olaf machine has plowed through my imagination <laughs> at warp fucking Olaf speed. You know what I mean? Right. He's, I can't take it, Captain. She's breaking up. <laughs> God. <laughs> And he's just acting like the sweetest guy in front of his congregation, even talking to this one kid who's getting picked on by some of the people in his congregation. Right. Um, but one of the one of the, the the churchgoers is like a dick to this kid. That's the one I was talking about. And like he's like, We're gonna come to your house and get you right outside of the church while the like priest is like, Oh, thank you for coming and <laughs> yeah. you know, and there's yeah. all these kids around. He's like, We're coming to your house and we're gonna find you and then he hobbles off because he's got one bunk leg or something. <laughs> Did you notice that? Right, you're like, I'm really worried about it, dude. I'll outrun you any day. <laughs> it's like he confides in the in the priest then after that right. who just killed <laughs> Like this girl after raping her, and I'm like Jesus. Like, and See, it's, didn't people think it was him because that was his yes, girlfriend? But they didn't really clarify that. You didn't figure that out until the first, till another kill, right? So, like, and I'm not even sure. But was the guy that he killed? Okay, so like this guy that's getting picked on by one of the other people in the church confides in the priest, 
The priest is like telling him how to live life and not to let these things bother him and that he needs to rise above it and da 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 da. That night, I'm pretty sure he goes to kill the people that were picking on that kid, right? Right. To well, like he was saying the people him. who were picking on him will get it worse in the end. Right. Like, yeah. if they ever cause harm to you, they will burn in hell and be tortured and rip apart. And that's one of the good scenes, too, because he gets into it. And, like, you see the grinting of his teeth. And, like, they burn and they die forever. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, uh, yeah, well, I should probably get Auf going. Auf <laughs> Yeah. It was pretty, uh, yeah, he was like, because I, I, I was like, Jesus Christ, calm down, preacher. <laughs> right. Jesus. Auf um, yeah, I, I gotta go. Uh, <laughs> so so then they go, and this is the weird thing, okay? Like, he was, like, saying something about death is the purification of the soul, right? Yeah. And uh, he can, like, the guy, I'm pretty sure, well, whoever he went to's house, I thought it was the, it was one of the people that were picking on him. Like, the priest goes to the house of one of the guys that's picking on him and his wife. And while he's sleeping in the bed, they hear something crash. And the wife's like, what is that? You should go check the noise. The dog's barking or something <laughs> like that. He goes out with that old style lantern. Right. And then he and he comes back in and he sits on the couch and he drinks some wine. And he's just like, looks over and he sees the feet of fucking the killer. And he's like, it's you. And it's the fucking priest. And he's right. like, that's right. It's me. <laughs> and he's like, wait, no. And he pulls out a gun and he's like, no. <laughs> and he shoots him like fucking 12 times right like 10 or 12 times and then he reloads and shoots him again yeah he's just smiling and laughing and this is like a saturday night special kind of guy. It's a six shooter now you've been purified <laughs> and then he like and then he goes up doesn't he get the wife or something like that yeah what does he do i don't remember exactly he gets the wife and then brings her out to uh i'm not sure if they're barn or yeah, some he chains kind of shit. her up, right? Chains her up and does this ritual to Satan. Yeah, he takes off his shirt. I thought he got naked at first, but he just takes off his shirt. Right. And, and then he, he does a satanic ritual on the ground, and he starts... <laughs> of course, he slits her throat. And then drinks the blood. Drinks the blood, you know, out of a crystal goblet. <laughs> and then he starts rubbing the blood all over his body. Right. And then they flash back to... Dude, where I was worried in that scene they were going to do a whole other rape scene. I, I know, like, I did, Please don't. Too. Just fucking next scene. It's <laughs> as if they had the good taste not to do it. Right. <laughs> Which is pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> It's amazing we were both on that level. Like, don't rape her again. I was like, does it really need to go there at this time? No. So, but anyway, because it would have been over redundant. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, so then, like, um, they do a flashback of when the priest was a young boy, and they shows him worshiping Jesus and his dad, like, telling him, I want you to be a priest, son. And then he's like, okay. And then he starts kneeling down before the cross of this, like, Jesus and then like praying and then all of a sudden like this guy appears and hands him a satanic book it was and, a chick no it, oh it was a chick where are you from where, where'd you come from yeah and then he's like and she turns around and goes starts saying something to him but she's got like this demonic face so i i like i didn't read what she was saying at that point because i was she said from hell yeah okay <laughs> and like yeah the demonic face you know it reminded me of demons little bit a little, i, I mean just the teeth a little bit this reminded me of demons a little bit i don't know maybe but they have horns it had horns on the face it reminded me more of like the gate too yeah okay yeah you know I, what I mean i could like, totally see that but like a cheap bunk version of it but, right 
the Jesus that he was worshiping on the cross is now turned into this weird, like fucked up Jesus Christ and starts burning mm-hmm. and falls off and then on the ground and then stops burning and then it goes to the future. And he wakes up and like apparently that was his like nightmare or something. Right. And so then he goes outside and kills himself. Yeah, he puts one bullet in his gun, shoots himself in the head. Yeah, he like, well, at first he picks up the Bible and then throws it aside. As if he's, like, going to repent for his sins. And then he... Well, he reads that Bible that that chick gave him. No, 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 no. He goes... He goes... When he when he wakes up from this dream that he has, he goes and picks up a Bible. Like, a real Bible. Not, a, not that one yet. And then he throws it out to the side. And then he's like... Hah! And then he grabs the satanic Bible and starts flipping through the pages. And then he comes to the conclusion that he should go outside and put a bullet in his face. And so he puts it in his mouth and bang. And it's like, okay. And then <laughs> He's they, like, is that the end? Yeah, I don't. I was like, okay, so that's the end of that one. Nope. <laughs> it's still going. So then it fast forwards and the townsfolk are again uh, wanting that guy, other guy, that the other, the one that confided in the priest. Right. We'll just call him Peter. Uh, and because I can't remember his name. But I, I, for life, man, I can't So either. now they want that guy dead because they think that he murdered those, the, the guy in the... The in three the, people now. The girl and... Yeah. The, like, they think he's at fault, so they go to kill him or whatever. They hire a hitman who's at the bar just chilling. And they're talking about it in open, like, everybody knows what's going on. Right. They're like, we gotta kill him. And then they hand this guy, like, a crumpled up bunch of fucking bills. Like, not even, it didn't even look like much. Even if it was, like, a hundred or a thousand dollar bill, is it's that still enough? still not enough to kill somebody. Yeah, no. right. Like, would you kill somebody for a hundred bucks like that? I don't know. Not, not me, but... No, he gave it all the bells and whistles. Right. So That's a little extra for that. So then the guy goes out, this hitman goes... And finds the 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 guy who's talking to his mother, and his mother has overheard the townsfolk talking about killing him. And he's like, "You should probably go. You know, it's not safe here. They want to kill you." And he's like, "Nah, he just stays." He's <laughs> like, "I got to tend to the farm, you dumb bitch. I don't care if I'm fucking gonna die. The farm needs to get milked and fucking, you know." And then he's doing something with some hay, and all the guy comes out of nowhere, cracks him on the head a couple of times, starts bashing his head on the ground. which is one of my favorite, dude. Any scene with hammers. Right. The hammers are just brutal, dude. It's a hammer party. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> dude. It just whaps him right in the face. Oh, and then across the jaw. Right. So then so then we're like, okay, so he killed him, so it's over, right? No, it's no. not over yet. You think he's gonna he's walking away, right? Yeah, and then he goes home and then one of the guys, one of the townsfolk is like, So did you do it? And he's like, Yeah, I fucking did it. You paid me. I did what you wouldn't do. And he's like, Were you gonna bury him? The cops? He's like, Everybody knows and everybody's gonna shut the fuck up about it. Right. He's like, No, I just left him in the garden. Right. Like, no big deal. Because he drags him off, but doesn't do anything with him. So it doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know, but whatever. So then... Um, you oh, know. then then that's what happens. So then the guy goes to sleep that night, and he hears... And the, the body's just laying out there in the garden. And his father's voice goes, Son, it is your time now. No, it was the thing the priest was saying before when he was talking to him about like how those people, oh, if the they priest. harm you... They'll suffer a fate worse than death or whatever. They'll die and die again and whatever. Right. So then the body wakes up and he rises up. He doesn't say anything. He wanders over to the hitman's house somehow, takes blood or he has blood on him. So he uses his own blood to put something on the wall. I didn't couldn't tell what it was. 666. Was it 666? Yeah. It was terrible. I couldn't. That didn't make any sense at all. I. He's like Satan stuff. I don't know. Pentagram. 666. Yeah. Right. 
So then, because he puts the 666 on the wall, all of a sudden, this guy has this, like, fucking fever dream and starts choking. Right, and then he falls into, like, one of those, like, Army of Darkness portals. Uh, <laughs> is that what it was? <laughs> it looked oh, like it. Oh, it was a... Yeah, I know what you're talking about. There was another movie called The Lathe of Heaven, where they used this blue laser and smoke. Right. And it looks like a tube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. So then he falls into hell. Okay, which really kind of looks like some dude's basement. Right. <laughs> yeah, it really did. <laughs> which, hard. I mean, what, what are you going to do? You can't create an entire set. Right. So, I mean, he did with what he could, the best he could, and threw, like, all these, like, half-mangled fucking corpses and people eating flesh and just, like, just a ton of moaning in the background. People laughing, laughably screaming, like, oh, 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 You know what that scene reminded me of, dude? What? Low. It kind of reminded me of Baskin, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Low, the demon movie? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. This is the low budget way that it was done. It kind of just brought me to that place. I thought of Baskin because it just seemed more, uh, I don't know, like physical. Okay. <laughs> then hell, I would have presumed that right. hell would be. It wouldn't be as physical. More supernatural. Right. So, like, people are just getting torn apart, killing each other, you know. And then all of a sudden, the hitman is, like, nailed to a table. Like, he gets this thing put around his neck, this bar. And it then looks they, like a vice grip almost. Yeah. And then they start, like, nailing his body parts to the wood. Yeah. And he's screaming the whole time. This is the big, this is the big scene. Yeah. It's like literally 10 minutes of hell. Yeah, it's pretty... Well, they yeah, they, they do literally 10 or minutes of just hell. Right. And then all of a sudden, the hitman shows up out of nowhere and gets dragged <laughs> into this table, nailed down, and then they start doing one of my favorite parts in the whole fucking movie, is drilling the teeth. Dude. Oh. With like a fucking drill, dude. And it's like going through his teeth, and I was like, eh. You know, to the... The Dentist is one of my right. one of those movies I don't like that I cannot things. cannot watch. I couldn't turn away though because I was like, that looks kind of real, yeah. dude. But then when they show him later, yeah, his teeth like, are fine. Yeah, so they kind of fucked that up. They mm-hmm. were like, well, he's screaming the whole time. After they drill his fucking teeth and he's screaming and shit, and I was like, you could see like 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 it's like silicon or something or whatever is because it's like curling up like you can yeah. see like all the pieces like, like wax or whatever yeah, they whatever use. the fuck they use so then they like um take out a uh like a they take out well they took out his eye with a corkscrew and then they cut him open down the center of his chest and start drilling him with that a big lawn drill like one of those dog yeah that's what it was it was a dog you know those things that they use that you drill into the ground right you chain your dog to it Oh, yeah, like a post digger. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, it wasn't a post digger. It was literally just a large corkscrew. Oh, that you tie your leash onto and you're like, okay. Right, yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. That's what they did. They used that to, like, drill into his already cut open body for no reason. Because <laughs> why not? And then all these cha- these two chains come out all, uh, like like Hellraiser. Oh, it was exactly like Hellraiser. But it's like the cheap, shitty chain. Right. And it just grabs onto, like, the stuff you get at a hardware store. <laughs> And it grabs around his ankles and then starts pulling his legs apart until his crotch pops. <laughs> and it rips from his gens, his jennies, all the way up to his fucking chest until his head's, like, removed. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And then he wakes up and he's like, oh, my God, I'm alive. And he died. And he was dead. <laughs> it was uh, That was the end, guys. 
That's it. Well, no, not really. I mean, we're, we're the, the, I will mention one more scene that I thought was pretty interesting. Which was a... Uh... So, um, I do want to mention this uh, trivia piece about that scene in particular. He said that the the scene, not just the, the murder scene there, but the whole hell situation was in a basement. <laughs> and it was really cold. And it was really sticky. There was, like, not one place in that place that you could stand without... Getting, getting sticky getting sticky and the actors were absolutely miserable he said this was like one of the most anticipated scenes for him because he had to make all of the fake bodies all of the gore get all this preparation and everybody was just fucking miserable and they hated every second of it including him oh, and they man. just wanted to get it over with you know what i mean but they had to endure it so he said but he was like nobody was happy because of it <laughs> See, it's. I think times like that, you hate it when it's happening, but it's always one of those things that's fun to look back on. So I'm well, sure. Well, I mean, that's subjective. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it, you said they had a great time in the behind the scenes, having beers, you know, talking shit, whatever. Yeah, it was. It is. I mean, it's a pretty big scene. Whether it was necessarily executed as well, I think it was way too lit. For, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, for hell, it looked like some dude had like a fucking like you know like. Well, let's go back to what we were saying before. Like, leave a little bit to the imagination. Don't light it up and let you see all well, everything. You know what I mean? They probably didn't have a lighting person, per se. It's right. not like, you know, like a cinematographer or whatever. You well, know, we are like, talking about a shoestring budget. So. Yes. So then we go back to the punk drug kid who's teach, you know telling these fucked up stories to his little sister. Right. And? And his, like, yeah, he gets up and he walks away. And his sister's dead. He had stabbed her in the fucking chest, I guess, while he was in the middle of reading this story. See, I didn't see that when I first saw it, but... So, then, one of the more gnarly scenes, I think, in the movie, that there's like three... Wow, there's a lot. Right. For most general people, but this one stood out. He goes outside, sits out on a picnic bench outside of the house, and then cuts open his wrist... Uh, so trigger warning to anybody who's uh, not fond of that. Yeah. yeah, uh, they he literally cuts into his wrist like, and it looks real. Yeah, and it starts bleeding and shit, and then he just falls and dies on the table. Yep. And that's the greatest love story that's ever been made. Julia, Julia, Julia. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what else more to say. I know we spoiled a whole lot of that. So, but I mean, I just you had to talk it. about it. Like right. Like, I'm not going to be talking about this again, and I know this episode is, like, really long for you guys who have listened this far, and fucking if you have, please sound off in the comments, because I want to know how many people listen to the end. Um, I really appreciate it, guys, seriously, <laughs> because we really get into this shit. You know what? I'm glad that I saw it. I'm glad to say that, you, you know, sh- I can reference it now. Yeah, you saw a movie that most people have it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, a large majority of people haven't. <laughs> and... Like I said, it's not all bad. No. no and it's I, just one of those movies that I would love to just crack a couple beers and like watch it again with some friends and just fucking laugh. You need to watch Premutose now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one, uh, I think you will have a really strong laugh because there's two movies with some of the worst, funniest dubbing. That's one of them. And then Zombie 90 Extreme Pestilence by Andreas Schnoss. Mm-hmm. It's probably some of the funniest shit I've ever seen dubbed. I think I've only seen up to Zombie 2. We need to do that movie, so I'm going to have to do that at some point. Well, maybe we'll do another Andreas Schnoss, um, you know, 
homage because right. we did the whole violent shit series. Did you? Yeah, well, the whole thing from start to finish because I bought the whole thing for like, right. I was there when you bought uh, the special edition that came with the soundtrack. Right. Well, no, no. Oh, that was the the remake or right. the, the reboot. The reboot. It was. Yeah. yeah. Which had nothing to do with it really. Uh, no, it didn't. Well, it kind of did, but not really. Well, at least you have a part of your collection. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have it, and the, the music's actually probably the best thing about it. Right. <laughs> Anyway, guys, uh, I hope you enjoyed this week. Uh, thanks again to Necro for coming by and uh, chopping it up with us. Appreciate you, man. Uh, other than that, guys, we will be back next week. I think for our top 2018, I don't know who's going to be doing it with me. I got to find somebody who's as crazy about watching all these movies as me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping I can find somebody to fill in. If not, we'll wait until Brittany gets back and uh, try to do it with her. So I hope you guys understand. It's just the situation right now. But uh, thanks again, guys. It's great to be back, guys. Love talking to you. And uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. <laughs>